All right, who wants a little broadcast healing today on the Robert Scabell Show? It's the 17th of January, 2024. Uh, happy birthday to our birthday boy in absentia. That'd be uh, Ty Bollinger. He's he's not here today, but it's his birthday. He's probably out celebrating. Anyway, happy birthday, Ty. Uh, we got Erica Eskew scheduled. First-time guest. Uh, she is guest number 1,888. Isn't that wild? My wife keeps up with this stuff. She's like, it's great. So Erica's going to talk about overcoming adversity of all kinds, a lot. And she's got some cool stuff to, to share with all of us today. Uh, do we need a Pentagon for disease for the next pandemic? <laughs> There's a New York Post article I'm going to cover. That'll be fun. Uh, there's a Chinese lab. Now, I don't wonder if it's related to Wuhan. I wonder how much uh, 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 Fauci has funded it through NIH. They've crafted a new mutant version of what they call COVID-19. What does it do? And why will I advocate something that I never advocate? You'll find out if you stick around. Uh, let's see what else we got going on. The uh, Associated American uh, AAP. Oh, yeah, the pediatric. You know, they never met a vaccine. They didn't want to inject in your children, but they're actually doing something right and good. And we'll acknowledge it. But some people are not happy about it. Caller, we got a call coming in. We got antifungals, antibiotics failing, and a homeopathic hit for your immune system. Coming up today on the Robert Scott Bell Show. After this, robertscottbell.com slash listen. Say hi from the chat room, and we'll be back with more powerful healing after this. Robert Scott, the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. Now, the voice of health, freedom, and liberty, here's Robert Scott Bell. I know you all have heard of the collapse of civilization, right? We pretending the, the, the doom and gloom, uh, everything's just going straight to hell in a handbasket. We can look around and certainly see a lot of negative stuff happening. You know, we acknowledge that we're not naive about it, but at the same time, could there be good things occurring simultaneous? Could there be great, wonderful things happening? Yeah. In fact, another collapse is happening and it's a good thing. And uh, some of you may or may not, I don't know if you'll like this, but we're going to start with the collapse of credentialism today on the Robert Scapell Show. The collapse of credentialism. There's an article at uh, Brownstone. This is a good one. I wish I had this guy on the show. Maybe one day we will. A guy named Rob Jenkins. And he is a credentialed <laughs> person. He's an associate professor of English at Georgia State University. And, and more and more and more uh, related to the uh, educational institutions of higher, I would call them higher indoctrination, but he's writing from within it. And he says, there's a collapse of credentialism. And to me, that's a good thing. And it's interesting because there's a picture of an old church there. And we've talked a little bit about like our Sunday conversation with uh, Leslie uh, was great because, you know, she's a deeply spiritual woman and her family very focused on the spirit yet not really actively engaged so much in organized church or religious activities because she feels like in many cases, the spirit is not there. Not to say it couldn't be, but so I think about that in an analogy regarding higher institutions, much like the churches of old, perhaps the institutions of old that are still current somehow, the Yales and the Harvards and all these higher degrees that people get. And yet, 
Is education really there? Are the people that come out of there with, you know, I call them degrees, right? Because people who get them often can't use the sense that God gave them. Suddenly they are worshiping this mental construct or capacity to learn and wrote and remember things. And, you know, they're very self-reverential. They worship the mind. And very often it clouds or gets in the way of, as I argue, a higher calling to the wisdom of creation. Where education is wonderful is teaching you how to methodologically, if you will, uncover secrets of, of life, of the universe and everything. Like, are there ways to explore and, and, and make sense of things that we're like, wow, that's, I don't know how that works. And then we go into things like the scientific method to try and uncover the mysteries of life itself. Yet people are coming through universities all the way up to the higher doctorate degrees, often dumb as rocks. Yeah, I, I know. It's like you go back to high school, remember, or even college, perhaps the, the athletes would be, we joke about the athletes going through and they're taking, um, what were the courses? They call them rocks for jocks. I remember that super Don rocks for jocks. Do you remember that? Uh, I think they were taking, was it geology? Was that the, do you have a memory of that? Or is that I, I'm unfamiliar with that one. You don't remember that one? No. Oh. Yeah, well, they would make fun of the athletes because they weren't taking the hard courses, the math and the science and stuff. And look, everybody's got strengths and weaknesses. And, I, you know, I, t I didn't tend to make fun of those people because I'm not saying I was one of those people. I, I, I did athletics even as a young, sick child. <laughs> I found my way through that, but I wasn't one of the cool football player jocks either. But the idea, again, of worshiping the mind, Super Dot, is the thing that I came in with a suspicion in this lifetime, a deep suspicion of higher institutions of indoctrination or learning, as they used to call it. So even right. though well, that's went, the way we were raised, right? Were you raised? I wasn't raised that way. Were no. You raised? No. I mean, I know you, you, your dad was kind of a blue collar police officer guy, right? Right. And you think about that concept of like. But we were raised to respect that, that that was, that was what you were to strive for. Those oh, were, the, yeah, those yeah, were yeah. the successful people, right? Sure, yeah. Well, <clears throat> what did they do? They looked down upon uh, those that went to uh, technical schools, you know, to mm -hmm. learn a skill, a trade, for instance. Right. And, you know, I, I yeah, I, I get what you're saying now. Yeah, we were raised in, to revere these institutions. You go it's to like, school, mm -hmm. then you go to college, yeah, and you get your master's or your bad, at least your bachelor's, okay. Right. Mm -hmm. But you know, you want to go for the master's, and then you work for a period of time. And then you can have kids only after you've done, done you know, been <laughs> working for a certain period of time, and then you get the house with the white picket fence yeah. and the two or three kids and the dog, and you know, and then you're successful. That's it, I, the American dream. Right? Look, I like the the white picket fence in the family with the kids, maybe the cat instead of the dog, but that's just me. Uh, Whatever. But I think we were lied to about the the need, the desperate need to get higher levels of degrees. Mm. And this is again, this is not me denigrating the pursuit of knowledge. That's not what I'm saying. I and Superdon, you like the pursuit of knowledge too. You but you didn't go into you know high level university stuff. But you're as smart as anybody I've ever met. And I'm not just blowing smoke. You are a guy that critically thinks. And to me, that's smarter than anybody that gets a high level degree and then can't think critically or won't think critically. You know, these are the people that are doctors that end up doing a cookie cutter methodology of here's symptom A, here's drug B, boom, get out of here. There are a lot of people that when they get those that higher education 
they, it's like they install horse blinders on them. Mm-hmm. You know, the more education that they get, yeah. not everybody, you know, it's just, you know, how, uh, how much, how hard is it to strike a balance? Yeah. Um, when you get that, that, you know, that much book knowledge. Exactly. Which, you know, which is what it is. It's book knowledge, right? It's not real yeah. world experience for a lot of these guys. By the way, I, I'm drinking out of my daughter's cup. She, some, her friend gave her a gift. I, I made a bulletproof coffee, my own version of it this morning. Organic, of course. And look at, look what it says. I just realized what it says on it. Can you, of can course you I that? talked to my, well, hold on. Let me put that yeah. full screen. Hold it's hard on. to see it, but. So it says, you're drinking from a cup that says, of course I talk to myself. Sometimes I need. I need expert advice. Ah, well, isn't that appropriate? That is so funny today that I'm happy to be drinking from that. David that Gorski accidentally left his cup at your house there. Right, apparently. right. Yeah. No, that's cute. It's funny. Uh, but as I said about these uh, suspicions I had growing up about higher levels of education that are really, as I've come to consider and, and believe to them to be mostly higher institutions of indoctrination and why I was reluctant to do it again. Maybe I came in with stuff. I, I respect my mom immensely. You know, she's going to turn 90 this month. And we're going to have a celebration on the 28th of January, although the 29th is her 90th birthday. Um, she's always been fiercely independent, a survivor. If you've read her uh, autobiography, A Life of Many Colors, her journey from Israel to America, uh, you'll see that she found ways well beyond the institutions of higher learning to, to survive, to thrive, to develop. She was an entrepreneur in her own right. And maybe I got a lot of that from her too. But I ended up going to an egghead research medical university. Uh, you know, I did. I had good enough grades to get in, whatever. But I always had some level of rebellion against it. And and I went in to go into medicine because I just had this desire as a child. I remember I want to grow up and be a healer. But the only model I had for healers were doctors. You know, my uncle, the medical doctor, that kind of thing. And at the risk of annoying some of you in the audience that have been with me for years, my uncle, the doctor told me, don't become a doctor. And I was like, uncle Bob, that doesn't make any sense to me. Why would you tell your, your, your nephew who wants to be a doctor, you're a doctor. And he, I believe recognized my spirit, even though it might not have been an overt thing at the time, but then, you know, at Emory university, Atlanta, learning what modern medicine didn't know and what they did to me, that was horrible. And then I realized that I couldn't do that to other people. I would be miserable, as my uncle had predicted. And so it was a number of years later, as I said, that prayers were answered. I found homeopathic medicine and went down the road I thought I was going to go down just in a different way. And I learned in a way that very few people learn. We used to, if you wanted to become a master at anything, you would become an apprentice, The concept of master-apprentice relationships was very real throughout the history of learning on planet Earth. It was only more recently in human history where education was formalized and institutionalized and then made initially available only to the elite, wealthy, connected families. Eventually, it was somewhat democratized artificially via uh, well, this this goes into economics, Federal Reserve policies of printing money out of thin air. And then uh, the federal government in the progressive era of the 20th century begins to say, hey, we need uh, women and minorities, whatever that is, to get into schools as well. And I'm like, I'm not opposed to that concept at all. It's not like I'm against anybody who wants to go into education to be able to do it. But they made it done. They did, they did it in a way that corrupted these institutions of higher indoctrination. Maybe at one point they were learning. 
because suddenly it opened the floodgates wide for anybody and everybody. And that's not bad in and of itself or on its face, except that the way they did it was providing money, the government now, through theft of taxpayers and or printing out of thin air through the Federal Reserve, uh, block grants and loans, whatever it was, consider, whether it be Pell Grants or otherwise, money suddenly created out of thin air that was then given to students. Some of it was um, economic-based, right? If you're poor, you could apply, you could get grants, also loans. And the loan programs Whoa, did that open up anybody to be able to get in there and sign on and go here? Yeah, get me into that. And then that money that you got at very low interest rates would then go into those institutions. And if you've ever followed the price of college, university level education, it far exceeds what we call the inflation rate. You can follow the inflation rate and go, good Lord, it's thousands of percent higher. How did they get away with charging so much money? Well, other than the really wealthy elite, no one could ever afford to do it at the levels at which they were charging. But once the money was made available through student loan guarantees through the government or block grants or et cetera, then suddenly the, the university college realized they could jack prices up because the people weren't actually paying for it. They were getting the money. Do you follow this? And then they, they kind of, it, it became, I'm not going to say totally diploma mills, but the idea then, the uniqueness of someone who had the, skill set and the mind and the and the dedication to go into some of those higher levels, suddenly it went to everybody. And then they kind of watered down the education. And this includes Flexner Report of 1910 when we talk about medical education, where it now went to, all right, if you're going to become a doctor, we're going to haze you. We're going to, we're going to challenge you. We're going to wa- we're going to, we're going to wash you out if you're not someone who follows orders. Kind of like you know, going to the military and you have an independent streak and you don't follow the chain of command, you're going to be drummed out pretty quick. And understandably so in, 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 in military situations where you need to follow that chain of command. But when it comes to the inquiry, the engagement of the higher mind to go, hey, yeah, I really want to learn stuff. It wasn't about that anymore. It was about you will believe this. And if you question it, we will drum you out. And that became even worse under the woke ideologies that have come out now that we see not only in Harvard and Yale. Look at the lady that, that was president of, of Harvard. Good Lord plagiarism much dude that used to i mean even in high school if you were caught plagiarizing you would you would utterly miserably fail and they would go you you can't do that we're going to teach you that now or else you're toast and now at harvard it's like we'll look the other way what does it say again about the higher institutions of indoctrination right what what is their real worth they're churning out robots to the establishment, the elite establishment on planet Earth, where they want everybody else to be the worker bees, following orders, not making or asking any questions. And so I've always had that suspicion about these institutions, even though I am a product, at least at one point, as I remember, and I've told you this, some of you know this from long time being part of the show, that when I got out of school, all the way to university level, I had to unlearn most of what I learned through my entire career, if you will, of public and even private, you know, education all the way up through university level. Because what they told me were either lies, half-truths, you know, half-truths at best, or indoctrination to diminish my ability to tap into an innate knowledge or innate wisdom from creation itself, which is what I learned, again, becoming a homeopath that there is such brilliance 
that comes from places far beyond these institutions that are regarded and revered, although less so. And I get this is coming sort of full circle as I wrap up this opening monologue on the collapse of credentialism by this guy, Rob Jenkins talking about what COVID has done and the reaction to COVID, the authoritarian response to COVID and the experts who are all credentialed. And he does bring up this uh, Harvard president, Claudine Gay's uh, fall from grace. As he says, the technocrats, they told us what we could do, what we can't do, what we're allowed to do, what our kids must learn, what they're not. All in all, they got pretty much everything wrong. The distancing, the masking, the isolation, the, uh, what else? The injections, of course, that are wrongly called vaccinations. And these bureaucrats that feed into academia and revere it and say these are the only people legitimate to answer any questions, much less direct us as a nation or as a people, because they have the right degrees or credentials, that's fallen on hard times, I believe. And maybe I'm overly optimistic in the view of the average American, or maybe not. I don't know, Super Don, you might have an idea about this. Because I've always, as I said, been a little bit suspicious. I don't worship people with degrees just because they have them. I can respect that they've earned something that's hard to get. But what are they doing with it? Your sense, Super Don, about this collapse of credentialism, is it just me wishful thinking and this guy going, it really is collapsing? Or do you think I, that there's still a reverence of worship? Yeah, there's been a shift okay. uh, since the pandemic where people are are kind of giving the experts the side eye now okay that they didn't do before just because and you know they uh they saw what a, a train wreck mm -hmm. that was and how you know uh, how, how they handled the situation so i think to a certain degree yes um i think your optimism is is uh is well placed mm. um and I think also, I think there's some reality happening here, a reality check. Because I think a lot of people, because, you know, it used to be when we grew up, like I was saying, yeah, you know, if you didn't get to go and get a, a, a two-year, a, a minimum, I mean, two-year degree was entry level. Oh, I mean, they were uh, frowned upon. Oh, just the junior Oh, college, yeah, you just, you, you know, you were lazy. Like, yeah, you didn't yeah. you didn't want to stick around and, and you know, no. get the real degree. But, yeah. you know, it was a four-year degree for you to get a job yeah. that paid anything. Now you've got, and I, I, I know because I've seen this firsthand yeah. uh, just on a local level here where you've got these people that are just, you know, they're getting it going, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars into debt. You know, they've got their degree and they get out of school and they're like, all right, I'm going to get my job and nobody will hire them. Yeah. And they end up getting a job that has nothing to do with what they just went to school for four years for. To go into debt. Uh, it's just a piece it. of yeah. paper on the wall, yeah. you know. Yeah. It really doesn't carry the, the, you know, the weight that it used to. So, yeah, uh, yeah it, it's interesting how things have, have evolved. The but, shift is on. And, and Superdome, yeah. one of the things that I like what this guy did in this article, and we'll wrap it up because I want to bring my guest on, Erica Excuse, waiting in the wings here. Uh, the embrace by the establishment of transgenderism. He brings that up, mm. right? And, and <laughs> it's like virtually every major medical association of the country has endorsed the idea that people can change their sex. And it's like... <laughs> Dude, go to the most primitive regions on the planet, Africa, wherever you want to call it, where they're not connected to these higher institutions, and tell people that there are, you know, these doctors in America that believe you can change your gender. 
and they'll all laugh at you like, what are you talking you got, about? You're insane. What you're is- bonkers. What is that? Yeah, and so yeah. the point is most people know you can't do that. They're not. Yet as- the credential yeah. class continues to go, well, yes, you can. And so the, keep it up. They're failing in their, they're falling on their faces and trying to defend a woke ideology, which is leading to an accelerated collapse of the worship of their degrees. So yeah. I'm encouraged by what's happening. So when we talk about the collapse of society, that part is a good thing. We talk about norms of, of knowing what is right and wrong. That's problematic. I agree there. But even that at the higher levels, they, they argue you shouldn't punish people who violate your, your right to life, liberty, or property. Going in thieves and steal. You're like, you go into the courts and they go, dismiss. So uh, we have some bad, but we have some good is the point. No matter how bad it gets, there's always an element of good goodness that is coming through as well. And perhaps sometimes when there's even more goodness, there can be more badness as the counterbalance in the laws or the worlds of duality in which we have are in existence here on planet Earth. I believe it's different in the heavens, but that's another discussion. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's part of the discussion we have with Erica today. Let's find out, shall we? She's really cool. We just I just met her briefly before. Uh, the show started. She's got an rsqdesign.com page. She's also got a really cool restaurant up there in uh, Adrian, Michigan, called Hooligans Grill. It does a lot of local source stuff. Looks delicious. And uh, she's got a story. She's overcome a lot to get here, including uh, substance abuse, apparently. Uh, let's see, what else? Depression. She might have even had a near-death experience or two. And I'm just always fascinated about that because I've had them, at least one major one that changed my life for good. So let's welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show for the first time, Erica Eskew. Welcome. Hi there. Welcome. Hi there. Did I say the last yeah. name right? Eskew. Eskew. Think of and, S and a Q. Eskew. Yeah. Eskew. And then there's a Kadu. Kadu. That's my married name. I just got married about four years ago. So. Oh, congratulations. Happy oh. Kadooing. Kadooing. <laughs> Two French names. Who Go figure. You know? I, I, you're all in on the French thing as well. So. <laughs> It looks like, based on the picture on the website, you're 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 uh, communicating to us from Hooligans Grill. I am, I am. I'm sitting here in the restaurant, actually in one of our smaller banquet rooms up uh, up on a second floor. So yeah, it's a lot well, of store uh, building and old and you know. There's it's proof of concept if I make it up to Adrian, Michigan, that I can broadcast live from Hooligans Grill. There you look go. That. There That's it is. It. All right. Well, this look looks really that. cool. Now, the name Hooligan has negative connotations, but I kind of think of it as a fun kind of thing. And I'm probably, that's the spirit with which you, you're running that restaurant. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are a hooligan. And I think it's, especially nowadays, it's a very appropriate thing because we don't go by, you know, we just don't comply. So we don't comply to lies. We seek for the truth. And, uh, and that's how that it's become even more appropriate. It's been, we've have, been around for almost 11 years. So Wow. Okay. So you, you survived through the COVID crazy years where people were freaking out, telling you, you have to enter with a mask. And then when you sit down, you can take the mask off and magically you'll be okay. And uh, yeah. did you, how yeah. did you survive those crazy years? How was it in Adrian, Michigan? Uh, everything was shut down. It, we, we were just down. There was no, there was no way to combat that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, given certain mandates, but, and we're not the kind of restaurant that really does carry out. So we have to, you know, we had to comply. So, but we're still here, still strong, okay. still doing great. So, yeah. I'm glad, but uh, if they were to come down and clamp down again, uh, do you feel like you would still comply? Or are you, there's enough people that would be resilient to say, we resist, this is unconstitutional at every level. I, I think there's a huge surge anymore of people that are just willing to not comply. 
I would, I didn't want to comply the first time, but you know, it was like overwhelming pressure um, to shut down. So I had no choice. I mean, there's no reason to stay open if nobody's going to come through the door. Yeah. Um, there just isn't, it doesn't make good business sense. But um, nowadays I, I would literally probably stand out there and just say, yep, we're open just to be defiant. So, yeah. Well, we need more of that. If we're going to survive as a nation, I believe uh, the idea is comply to to our very demise. And that's something we've learned a hard lesson on. But hopefully it hasn't isn't too hard that we can't recover. And I'm, I'm banking on our recovery. And I mean that by investing in uh, those who love liberty and freedom and spotlighting them. And it sounds like you're one of those folks, Erica. And you've got okay. some stories to tell, including, you know, how you get to the RSQ design, which we'll get to. But as it talks about you overcoming in your bi- your biography, depression, uh, substance abuse, and even yeah. an NDE, as we call it, near-death experience, yeah. start where you will, because I'm fascinated by your story. Well, I, I'm one of five kids, and um, my mother suffers from serious mental health issues, um, sociopath. Um, and uh, as the one person in your life that's supposed to love you, your mother, well, I didn't have that. So mm. the story and the, the message that I received as a child was not a positive one. Um, and it was a lot of neglect and a lot of abuse and uh, mostly emotional abuse, some physical abuse, but mostly emotional, um, which those scars tend to be even deeper. Um, and I just carried all that with me through life. And I really lived this huge victimhood lifestyle. And because nobody had told me it was wrong. And, you know, I did go to college for a couple of years, but I'm one of those, yep, you're never going to be anything but better, you know, than a street sweeper, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. You know, hope you marry well. Um, mm-hmm. And I just never bought into that. And so I, I kind of always knew, I always kind of marched to a different drummer and started my own businesses and I worked as a, I started an interior design firm that I worked for 20 years and I kind of stopped that and opened my own restaurant, which we've been open now. It'll be 11 years in March, March. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that time when I was opening the restaurant, um, I got really sick and didn't know what was wrong. And when I say really sick, I had, I had dropped 40 pounds in 30 days and, uh, I had been working, I just thought it was the stress of a new business and opening and trying to run everything because I didn't really have any support system. And I was a single mom for 20 years too. Let's throw that on there. (laughs) And um, I finally went home to make dinner for my daughter. My my son was already in college and my daughter was in high school. And I'm like, okay, I just want to be a mom for a minute. Went home and uh, tried to eat a meal. And within two hours, I'm literally calling her on my cell phone from the sofa. She's up in her bedroom like, you need to come down and take me to the hospital. Wow. There's something wrong. And I get there and they're telling me, well, you know, I'm just thinking, okay, the protocol, you know, here, we got you some fluids. You got you comfortable. Just go check up with your doctor. And I said, I know the protocol. And and she's like, no, honey, if I let you leave, you're going to be dead in two hours. So, yeah. Yeah. I had stage two, phase two colon cancer. And um, I was in the hospital for over three weeks, had surgery, which um, they did not think I was going to survive. And the surgery that was supposed to take five hours took nine. Um, And I was actually, and I say this because I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people that when I came out of surgery, I was angry Hmm. because I wanted to die. I like, I had given my best in every capacity to play by the rules, to do it right, to be everything, to ha- to try to have a life. And it was never clicking and it was never there. And it was, 
I, I just worked myself to death. And if my best wasn't good enough, why even stay here? Wow. You know, my kids are now at least old enough. They can kind of take care of themselves. Son in college, daughter in high school there. They'll be, they'll be okay. But I just couldn't do it anymore. And so when I came out and I was angry and upset that I had survived, that kind of was the kickoff to go, why, why, why am I here? Yeah, well, these are the big existential questions that I think yeah. if you don't ask them once in a while, I mean, you're not living life, right? And maybe maybe you figure it out. Some some people have or think they yeah. have or claim to have, but they live differently when you kind of have that mission and purpose, when you answer the question why. And, it, and I realize the why could change over time. I, I just read a story, interestingly enough, as you say that coming back from that that near-death experience, if you will, in surgery and being alive and going, I'm mad that I'm alive. I wanted to leave this place. Um, There's a story about uh, uh, a young girl who was raised by a mom who was pretty much substance abuser and tried to kill herself at one point. And, and the daughter, she, she saved her life and her mother was angry the rest of her life for that. And then there was another case where she had a similar experience and saved another person's life who was mad at her. And you can imagine the trauma that would be, uh, you know, and she went into something like nursing, but you know, she was having to take some like a uh, life-saving course, like, you know, first aid life-saving intervention. And she was like very resistant to that, to that course. It's like, who would resist that? And then she had this kind of spiritual revelation where we, she was shown these experiences that she kind of suppressed, how she saved people's lives, like her loved ones, mom and her dad. And they were angry because they wanted to leave. How fascinating is that? And then she was able to overcome it. You know, she could see through it and realize, oh, these right. are the traumas I'm carrying and we carry. I don't know, you know, having a mom, as you said, like that could have carried that forward for you as well. Oh, completely. I, I had so much trauma, internal trauma. I could barely get through life without crying just from one moment to the next. It was just so much trauma. And I had to figure out a way to purge that. And, you know, I tried counseling and usually I found out after several sessions, I'm, I, I'm better off than most of these counselors are. So <laughs> they have more problems than I do and they haven't figured out anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really sat on a course to invest in myself. I had to change my own story in my own head. You know, and it says, you know, we must hold our, our, our thoughts captive. First, our second Corinthians, right? And that's what it is. Our mind is the thing that really controlled me. And I had to change my story and my message of myself in my own head. And to do that, I had to purge all that trauma and get rid of it. And I'm big on visualization and I would just put those, you know, I'd I'd get to the place I did tons of reading, tons of research. I just changed how I did everything. I stopped being this walking, working zombie, going from one moment to what the world said I was supposed to do and be, to finding a different way to focus on something that's far more meaningful. And wanting to pay that forward to others because once you kind of get to that other side and realize wow you know i am not a victim i take full responsibility for everything that i've been through done has happened to me now have bad things happened absolutely that i have any responsibility in that no but there's an opportunity to grow and learn from that you know and it's like my relationship with my mother has always been horrendous i mean i just never had any support or love and and it was always pitted against me. You know, I was labeled a bunch of things that were not, not who I was, nor who I am in any way. And by able to putting that away and up leveling from that truly in your heart, in your head, in your mind. And, and, you know, I gotten literally to the point where I can say, yeah, my mother loves me. She doesn't know it, but she does. 
because I know this, what we're dealing with here in this world on this plane is temporary compared mm -hmm. to where we could eventually be. And my goal is to not, you know, to make the most of this, to help mm -hmm. the most I can to others, to pay it forward and to live a life that's worth living and up leveling. You know, there's all kinds of little things that you do. And it always starts with really small steps. I mean, if you spend five hours on social media every day, which a lot of people do, believe it or not, you know, change what you're watching. Find somebody like look up and, and start watching a Wayne Dyer videos or Neil Donald Walsh or a pastor or anybody. There's all kinds of helpful videos out there. You know, if that's what you do, just change, make that one little change about what you watch. Stop watching the cat videos or the, you know, the. Hey, you know what? It's okay to laugh at cat videos. There's some of the funniest videos ever, but yeah, there's a time where you got to go. Okay. I got to get out and get, get some stuff. I got to do something I, different. Right, you know, exactly. I got to do it. Yeah. And by um, the way, uh, not, not to plug myself, but I am the Robert Scott Bell show is on 24 seven on our own channel, uh, through Q streaming. Uh, and if y'all check that out, there's a banner for Q streaming, which is, uh, an, an, an app now you can put on, you know, through your, um, what do they call that? That Amazon fire stick thing. And you can actually watch anything for, uh, you know, there are a lot of church channels too. And speaking of positive and uplifting things, the nice thing about this Q streaming is that it's kind of like also can be a fundraiser for your institutions, your religious or whatever charities, because everybody's paying for the most part for something online streaming. Mm -hmm. And you can get for $59.99 a month, every channel, including all the paid channels, pay-per-views included, whether you watch them or not. The fact is you can also share that with everybody in the congregation that's also paying for something else and switch it over. And you can fundraise because there's built in for that purpose to help, you know, again, support things you believe in. So there's some unique ways to tap into the media, hopefully more positively, uh, to support these other things as well. Now, I want to go back briefly to that. Yeah. I don't know if it was the if it was the NDE, the end near death experience in terms of being in surgery, but coming out angry. Do you have memories of when you were unconscious to the world experiences that you came back with, or you just came back with anger, or was there an, was there another experience that that would class be classified as an NDE in your in your history? Um, actually, no, and I was angry that I didn't have some kind of experience because I wanted one. I wanted to find some kind of purpose in this. Give mm -hmm. me a message, but. Subsequently, since then, I've actually been given some pretty powerful prophetic dreams that um, that were so incredibly real. I mean, it, it is as real as I'm sitting here right now. I mean, I you wake up from your a dream into a dream, and mm -hmm. you're really there. That that has all the earmarks of a truly prophetic dream, and those have happened to me a couple times since then. But it took me changing me. And purging, like I said, all that trauma, taking responsibility so that I can move forward. Stop blaming everybody else at some point. You gotta really go, okay, I'm the you you are solely responsible for yourself, truly. And it's not, you know, it's not your mama's fault, it's not your daddy's fault, it's not the school district's fault, it's you know, you are responsible for you. Yeah. And when we as a society start looking at that again. Because apparently no one wants to say that, hey, I, I'm sorry I did that. Or, yeah, I'm responsible. It's mm -hmm. always got to be somebody else's fault. We can start changing as a society. We can start changing and growing better and doing better and doing more and helping others. Because really, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Beautiful, and uplifting message, Erica. And I, I feel it resonates from your very being, right? This is not a slogan. Yeah. People can be sloganeers in this regard, but I don't sense that from you based on your experience. And, um, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the dream state because so much of our world is 
you know, left to the unconscious or thought of it's gibberish. It's meaningless. We don't know because there's interpretations of weirdest things I had in my dream. And I think there's, you know, things we've studied, you know, called dream sensors. They don't want you to see really what's going on because it'll be empowering. So there's always this push and pull in that regard. And, you know, my experience of being gone from this body, my NDE, Mm -hmm. sometimes they call it now spiritually transformative experiences was like you described. It was more real or as real as anything out here. Pinch myself. Like I can still go back to that memory Mm -hmm. and it's like the most real thing that's ever happened to me. So what you're talking about in the dream world as well is a whole other part of our lives. And, you know, there's biblical references to dreams. It's not just Joseph that we have an access to communication. I believe from the divine that sometimes can help to bypass our limited belief systems about life itself. Right. Right. Well, our old men will have dreams and our young men will have visions. I mean, that's, it says it clearly and I, I never expected it, but it was so impactful and powerful. I mean, every time when I first initially started, I, when I had that, I had to tell my husband and I'm like, I couldn't even get through it. I'd be sobbing because it was so incredibly real and so powerful. And, um, you know, it, these are things that you need. we need as people. I, it makes me so sad, you know, when you go through my day and I just see so many people walking around like mindless zombies just doing whatever. As long as I have my latte and my ski trip, I don't want to know anything, right? It's like, well, when, when, when are you going to wake up and ask a question, any question and seek an answer for it? You know, um, my, my journey start has always, I think everything that's happened to me, everything, I can see God's fingerprints in all of it. And there's purpose behind all of it, even the bad stuff. And sometimes what do they say? Are we learn the most from our failures? Well, sometimes we learn the most from the things that are bad that happen to us because we learn who we are. We learn about ourselves. We learn what we're really made of. And then that's what you need to focus on and go, if I don't like what I'm seeing, then change it. You have the power to change it. Each one of us has the power to change our own destiny, change our own life, and by especially by seizing those thoughts. And, and Erica, thinking about, the victim state of consciousness, we initially state this happened to me. And then you come out of it and you go, wow, that was a gift that happened for me. It changes your view about the bad stuff because you're in the middle of it. And how many times does it happen? You end up better that you in the middle of it. Finally, you go, Oh, I'm going to actually be grateful for this while it's happening. And the years later, when you look back and go, I had no idea. Uh, So that's part of the experience. I believe that I've been able to incorporate into my life too. initially recognizing well, not recognizing, you know, all the ailments I had as a young person, like why me, oh Lord? And right. then it became obvious as, oh, I know exactly why, because it led me down this path to do what I'm doing to help myself and others to heal when it was told it was impossible. So wasn't it a gift at the time it was happening, even if I didn't recognize it? Yes. Yes. Why would I deny that gift in the midst of something that would happen today that I would go, oh, this really sucks. But at the same time, like, every time it's been good. Why don't I look for that? Right. Yeah. And, and, and it's so much, so, it's so powerful. Even when something bad happens now, that's exactly what we look for. We're like, oh, what am I going to learn from this one? Yeah. Oh, this is, this really stinks, but <laughs> I know there's something in this and I want to see it. And when you take that attitude, it takes all that sting and pain away of, oh, this is horrible. And you, you know, and we have to control our thoughts and control our mouths and control our minds. And there's, you know, one of the ways is to create a mantra, you know, create your own mantra. And just say it out loud over and over and over again. And we have to speak it out loud. Just don't think it, but say it. And that can change us internally. 
You know, we have things that are called muscle memory and cell memory. Those traumas and pains are held within our body in a cell memory. Some mm -hmm. people can't get beyond that trauma because that pain is so real. And because it's familiar, they hold on to it. Well, you got to let go of it. If you really want to move forward and you want to have that change, you've got to find a way to let that go. And, you know, for me, I, I've developed exercises, a visualization exercises that literally purge that. I've used some um, EMDR, which I don't, don't know if you're familiar with that, um, which help up level and help purge those memories, which has been highly effective. Um, and EMDR is really where you don't relive the trauma, don't relive that, but pick something, pick a smell, pick a sight, pick that key moment, focus on that moment, and then just uh, literally imagine it being lifted up, whether by angels or taken away by a train, whatever your belief system is, and have it purged away from you. And while you're doing it, you know, you can tap your own hand because what it does is it rewires the brain. You can tap the back of your hand as you're having this mental uh, meditation moment about trying to relieve yourself of that trauma. You can do that. Um, and it really does work. Well, I was going to ask you about what I call spiritual exercise, because we have a concept that's pretty widely accepted that exercising physically is pretty important good for us. And yet we often don't consider the concept of exercising our spiritual essence. And I, I hear from you that you have incorporated these things. And I think in, uh, about the dreams that we often don't remember. Did you do anything prior to those vivid experiences you had to, to say, before I go to bed, I'm going to say to God, Hey, I'd like to remember my dreams. Or was it just kind of a gift you were given? And then you built on that. Uh, those those were just gifts I was given. Um, I had spent years in deep study um, because I had I couldn't control my thoughts. I could not, and I had to learn how to do that. And by the only way I could do that is making sure that everything I listened to had a positive message. I had CDs in my car. I wouldn't listen to music anymore because it would upset me too much or it would bring trauma. I mean, the, that's how deep emotionally tra traumatized I had become. Um, and so every moment, you know, whether it's in the car or at home, I would have either a, a CD or a podcast on or something that was modally, you know, positive motivation in a positive manner in which to help a person be better. And it would be, it could be, like I said, a pastor, it could be a movie, typically not movies because there's a storyline in that can distract you, mm -hmm. but you know, they're always, you know, these self-help. And there's, we are so blessed in this, in this time that we live in, we have it right at our fingertips on our phone. We carry it with us. We can plug our ears in and just literally go about our day doing laundry and dishes and whatever, and actually work on healing and he getting a different message. You know, if the news upsets you, stop listening to the news. Don't do it. You know, um, you know, you've got to break that cycle. Mm -hmm. And if you're, you know, my, my epiphanies were not, you know, this miraculous event happened to me and all of a sudden I realized I see God or something like that. My journey wasn't like that. I had to work every step of the way to get there. And I think people discount that. Mm -hmm. You know, the saying is, you know, I ask and you'll receive, knock and you are, the door will be open unto you. We have to actually physically do that because, he, you know, our spiritual world wants participation. It has to know that you really want it. Yeah. And the more you want it, the more you're going to actually receive it back. Erica, you're, you're right. You knock, the door opens. You still got to walk through. And on the other side, hey, man, there might be some stairs. You got to walk them too, right? Yeah. The idea is, uh, and I recognize and resonate with that so much because my prayers when I was young was, 
please God heal me. Cause I, you know, was ailing all the time and it wasn't the miraculous lightning bolt from the skies. Thank God it wasn't at the time I would have taken it and been happy. I thought, but I would have learned nothing other than hopefully you get lucky and get struck too. And then instead it was like, no, you're going to learn how to heal. And then you're going to be able right. to teach others to do it too. I'm like, well, right. that's a lot harder than getting struck by lightning and waking up and like, Oh, the miracle happened. I'm well, but what can you do at that point if you have a mission and purpose in life? And as I knew as a kid, it was always to grow up to be a healer. But again, I had the wrong kind of models growing up in modern medicine, and that was it. So all of these things that were uh, easily complainable about, right? right? All the things, oh, ah, you know, they were gifts. And at what point, just like you described, in the midst of the gifts that you don't like, are they actually wonderful even in the midst of the suffering? to get you exactly. to the other side. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly right. You just got to get to the other side. And that's where this, you know, the RSQ design came in because mm. it, we're rescued. We have been rescued, but we have to participate and ask for it. And we have to want it and seek it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like you said, some people get this epiphany and they have lightning strike them and yay, that's great. But there's no less, there's not a real huge lesson in that. And when we are forced to walk through it and participate in the healing, mm -hmm. then that is far more meaningful. And then we can pay it forward to others. And that's what I've done, like with this image behind me on my website. Um, there's, you know, it's, it's about the rescue. The, now, the, the flag actually has more to do with what's going on in our country today. You know, I want to save our country. We are the only country <laughs> in the world that was founded on religious freedom. And there's in freedom in general. And that's why I'm like the proportions of the cross are so much larger than the flag itself. And the thorns are there and the flag hangs over the thorns because every thorn is a battle by which we had to fight to get to that freedom, to get to those, to get to the place where we have prosperity and freedom. So, you know, we're hanging on those battles, on those thorns that were the wounds of our past, whether it's mm -hmm. the civil war, the revolutionary war, the, you know, whatever it was that, you know, we've gone through. So, and that's Are where that rescue is. And if that, wow. if that image and, and the reason there's no words and the reason it's, you know, rescue and the reason it is what it is, hopefully it, you know, if it can help one person to remember, I'm going to go through battles and struggles and I'm in the best place I can be, that mm -hmm. this country is worth fighting for. And I can stand up and maybe I can talk to my neighbor and maybe I can talk, I can feel better about myself even, you know, whatever it is, if I can inspire one person, then that, that goal has been achieved. Erica SQ, you are extraordinarily inspiring. And I don't know if you're doing a podcast, but you have a great uh, gift of communication. You're very clear in what you're saying and you can resonate. I feel it. Like when you speak, it's not just the words themselves. It's what they carry the experiences you've had. And so I would urge you if you're not already doing that, maybe you want to start a little podcast <laughs> if you haven't yet. Uh, but with yeah, all well, the other things I do, right? <laughs> exactly. Like I just don't want to throw more at you, but Hey, think about this. Uh, but yes, you're, you're inspiring. And uh, I'm, I'm glad we've connected today on the show. Um, the, the website, Superdon, you can show everybody rsqdesign.com. If anybody yeah. likes these designs, you want to pick them up. There's even a, a, an offer. You should get a free flag with a hoodie. So if you want to get a hoodie and uh, get a flag with it as well. Um, great stuff. And uh, uh, like I said, uh, the inspiration, we need more of that. 
And I'm, I'm just happy anytime that we can have these uplifting discussions uh, as much as we can acknowledge, as you point out, I, you know, there are things happening in this country where this show originates that we're not really thrilled about. But at the same time, I liken it to our own individual or personal suffering. Sometimes a country has to go through a lot of suffering to find itself once again, especially one I believe is good, rooted in goodness as America. Granted, we haven't lived up to the high ideals often uh, over our history, but we have in some cases, and I'd like to see that again. And that's why it's a part of this show as well. And I know we have fans all over the world, even not in America, because they perceive the goodness at the heart of America too. Again, I'm willing to self-efface and go, you know what? We haven't lived up to it all the time. But sometimes it takes the suffering to get us back on the right track. Well, and suffering and, you know, fire burns away all that impurities. And we're going through fire. And I'm hoping, you know, I hope is eternal. I mean, that those fires, that evil, that those bad things that our country's been plagued with will be burned away so that we can actually be the country we're supposed to be. You know? Amen. Amen. And pressure Amen. makes diamonds. I mean, like, so yeah. there's so many analogies you can use to make to, to say that we have hope available to us. Yeah. Now we give you one last easy question. It's a softball. Yeah. Do you use butter or margarine in your restaurant? Only butter. Of course. Because our bodies are designed to only consume that which is natural. So. Right. Not motor oil. Thank you very much. No. Yeah, or plastic, exactly. I think, isn't it? That's it, what I kind of heard. It is. It's plastic. a plastic. But yeah. and and it sounds like you got a great thing going up there at Hooligans. Uh, if I'm ever in the area, I will definitely stop by. Maybe broadcast from there. I love what you're doing. And, please do. Uh, please as well, if you don't mind, spread the the goodness here that we have at the Robert Scott Bell Show, bringing the power to heal back where it belongs. Absolutely. And that's with each and every one of you. And Erica, our new friend, is part of that. Thank you. Diana writes in, I can so relate to her. Thank you for sharing your testimony. Wonderful, Diana. I love that. That's what Thank I'm feeling. You. That's awesome. That's what I need. I need to know that I'm like, like helping somebody, that it resonates just to keep pushing forward. Just keep doing it. You are helping a lot right now live on the air. And also as this becomes the podcast in, in perpetuity, people will be inspired and fired up. They'll not only check out your website, but again, they may put into practice some of the things we've discussed today. Awesome. That's great. All right. Thanks, Erica, for being on the show today. Thank you, Robert. I greatly appreciate it. Big hugs and uh, looks like delicious dinners at Hooligans up there in uh, Adrian, Michigan. Uh, that was fun, Super Don. I'm glad. You know, this is the fun part. And she was guest number 1,888, according yes. to my wife, who tallies all of this. Um, that's really cool. If you turn eight on its side, it means infinity. You know that. Uh, there's a lot of infinity in that. But. <clears throat> You well, know, there's, there's three eights in that, which... Uh, triple uh, infinity. That's uh, eight Not times bad. three is 24. Oh, that's another... I don't know what that means, good. but... We're good in uh, numerology. Yeah. Cycles of 12. <laughs> really cool. Yeah, that's the funny thing about me when I go into the gym, uh, especially if there's a new trainer. Uh, it's funny because, you know, a lot of people count in tens. Yeah, that's what we are. Uh, tens, tens, tens. But we grew up, Super Don, a foot is 12 inches, Right. Yes. And they switched over in Europe to the, uh, you know, the. Oh, the metric system. Metric system right? oh. But then again, most people count by tens because it's easier. But I always insist if, if they're saying it's uh, this is a cycle of 10. Uh, I always say I want to do 12s. Right? You want to do 12s? I think, yeah, I want to do 12s. So I, I, I always do them in 12s. That's just mm. me. It's just to annoy the trainers. Not really. I just they believe. tried so hard to try and teach us the metric system in school. No, I'm glad and we were my brain. No, here. my brain just wouldn't do it. Yeah. Now the cycle of 12s. Anyway, uh, with that, Erica was great. What, and we, as I said, we were talking about that yesterday. It was like, Erica, askew. We don't know who that is. What's that all about? And yeah. 
Kevin brings it again. He just nails it. Kevin books it. Yeah, I don't know where he he he's got some kind of magic uh, hat <laughs> or something like that, where he he gets these great guests. I love that. I love that. Speaking of uh, guests, I guess I'm going to be sort of a guest or a guest host Friday uh, after the show. We have our elite health or athletic performance webinar, and it's absolutely free for everyone. And Super Don, you have that banner in, uh, hopefully in the show notes, there's up up there. But the thing is, it's going to be 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on Friday, January 19th. For those listening live today, a few days ahead of that, uh, even if you can't be there live with us, please register for free. And that way you can access the rebroadcast of it at, at, at your leisure. You know, that's the thing. Just because you can't go, don't say, oh, I can't sign up. Sign up because that way you can watch it later and you can get plugged into elite performance. We're going to have uh, uh, Keith Clearwater, a PGA professional golfer. He's been a champion. He does a lot of great stuff. And we'll talk about oxygenation, nitric oxide, et cetera. This is how I'm able to, to do the things at 57. I could hardly do when I was in my 20s. Seriously. That's some great stuff. John Hewlett and his son Jason will be there as well. And uh, that's going to be fun. So uh, we got that coming up. Uh, let's see what else I want to say. Thank you to uh, Nutritional Frontiers as always. Uh, appreciate their great in. They really, really do a lot of great research in developing ex- amazing formulas uh, for restoring health and immunity. Right now, a lot of the focus on detoxification in the first part of the new year uh, are the, the many of their detox products are on sale. Some are fifteen percent off already, but you can take an additional fifteen percent off with the code RSB fifteen. So check that out. Go to nutritionalfrontiers.com. Use the code RSB15 and uh, get all their wonderful products as well. And uh, we'll talk more about that. We have another story here I want to get to this hour, though. And, and then, by the way, if you're wondering what we're doing in the second hour, Ty Bollinger's birthday. We're not going to go outside the box with him, but happy birthday, Ty. Uh, it's just going to be one of those you, me, and Super D, right? Those are great hours, too. We have a good time. And I don't know, Super Don could get on his high uh, uh, anti-plastic uh, horse, which we agree with. <laughs> I'm teasing you, Super Don. But lately, a high the, anti-plastic horse, right? The high anti-plastic horse, made in China, right? I would not Real buy a plastic horse. I mean, I what's know, the that's point what of saying. a plastic horse? Yeah, exactly. You're going to rail against it, is my point, and rightfully so. <laughs> we may do that too, but there's a lot to talk about. Um, this article is a weird one out of the New York Post. Super D, you found this. And I'm like, we were talking about this. Like, the New York Post posts this? What is that? It's a conservative uh, leaning publication, right? Yeah. Or website, I guess. And check out this headline. After COVID's devastating toll, the U.S. needs a Pentagon for diseases. Oh. Really? And this is by somebody named Donald J. McNeil Jr., who wrote this article. And uh, I don't know much about this guy, but after reading this, I don't think I'd like to hang out with him. I'm just going to say it. I'm like, I'm not trying to be mean or anything. But well, what is okay. He, what is the Pentagon? What is the, the main purpose of the Pentagon? I mean, it's, 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 it's what to do. It's war, right? It's, like, it's a war machine. It's a war, the, the Legion of doom. It's the, right. the, the headquarters for, do we have enough death with COVID? We need a Pentagon against whatever they call the next COVID really. Well, according to, to this guy here, um, as I was reading through this, because it, it got my attention. I'm like, wow, a Pentagon yeah. for disease. That's kind of different. I've never heard of that before. Right. And so I'm reading this thing, and I'm just like, wait a minute. So so he he wants uh, he wants more mandates. Uh, yeah. He, he wants, uh, basically, it, it, if I was going to wrap this like, around in, into just a, a simple description, 
Mm-hmm. When she read this thing, yeah, he's all for a dictatorship, basically. Yeah. Uh, in this country, in the event that a disease comes out, he wants to take the react the, the response that this country had to COVID mm-hmm. and dial it up, put it on steroids, put it on steroids. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's let's have a million uh, robot Fauci's. No, watching us, making sure we mask up and get shots. He says he favors vaccine mandates mandates in crises like COVID-19 and opposes, guess what? It's a big surprise, religious exemptions. He stands four square against your autonomy, your religious or spiritual freedom to disagree on the use of an injectable, particularly as we've talked at length about the horrific nature of violating nature by injecting mRNA, altering DNA protein synthesis, as we had yesterday with uh, Sucharit Bhakti. He didn't Mm -hmm. pull his punches on what we're doing. Right. He likes Taiwan, where masks are mandated, right? You you can't not do them. Or he likes Fidel Castro's imprisonment of Cuba's early AIDS victims. What? What? This guy is amazing. Uh, and he says, from Ebola to HIV, the greatest danger is never the virus itself, but the collective psychology of the response. Well, so he's a collectivist. Yeah, he's a collectivist. But he is. It's, it, yeah. it's interesting. The response to, for instance, HIV uh, was to poison people who had this false test positive with things that would kill a healthy person, like AZT. This guy is all in. He's completely lost. Listen to the- this. He says. He says, I generally... Back iron-fisted responses to epidemics for a simple reason. We must choose the path that saves the most lives. And here, here's here's the, the kicker. Yeah. Uh, he says the dead lose everything, including their civil liberties that the lucky living howls about. The lucky living. We are howling about civil liberties. How about our right not to be assaulted by the pharmaceutical industrial complex, which is rooted in pharmacia or sorcery? How about that? But he, again, once again, he doesn't believe in religious freedom unless it's his religion, right? The religion of modern medicine, the religion of public health, which is an oxymoron because it's rooted in collectivism. It denies the essence of the individual and the specific needs that yours are unique and different from your neighbors or even your brother or sister or father or son or daughter. We all have unique needs. Now, some of them are, I think, in common that we all need cleaner food, right? We need to go closer to what we call organic quality because there is no pesticide deficiency disease or syndrome. And, and you know, we, we'll talk about some of that because there's a bizarre story out of the AAP, which never met a shot it didn't want to inject into your child. And they actually are uh, going to say something quite shocking about GMO and, and glyphosate or pesticide-laden foods. Uh, but in this case, this guy, the good news here, let me just say it right away. If you go to this article and it's linked up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com, you can skip reading the article if, if you want. We kind of covered the essence of it. But go to the end and click on the, the comments. Oh, and yes. you'll see it's like 100% <laughs> in opposition to this guy. They're like, yeah. Well, and you got you to gotta understand, you got to read this first. I would yeah. say read it first because, I mean, he goes into talking about how they're going to control travel. Mm-hmm. He was saying that people that were fleeing New York – uh, you spread disease across the country. And so, I mean, he basically just, he just wants to lock everybody down. You can't go outside. You have to wear a mask. You have to get the vaccine. Uh, screw your freedom. Like, uh, uh, you know, the Terminator said, Yeah. um, but there was this one here, Alec Berg, there was a comment here. He says, I thought I was reading satire mm-hmm. and I was surprised when I got to the end of the story and there was no punchline. <laughs> That was and my I'll, response too when we honestly, were talking about it. Like, is this yeah. is this a parody? Is this for real? This guy no, for real? This guy's real. He wrote a book. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's he's the real deal. So I guess we can just be glad that that uh, there's uh, not as many uh, Donald G. McNeil's juniors out there mm-hmm. uh, as as probably yeah. he would he would like. Yeah. Well, seriously, this guy, like I said, I, I, I'm encouraged by the response to his article. And maybe it's 99.9% people he are thinks going, there should uh, be a Pentagon disease, but where would this be? I wouldn't be in the United States of America. We have a constitution yeah, that, no, no, that does not allow this sort of thing. With the WHO yeah. takeover. Of course, he's yeah. a globalist. He's a collectivist, which is, uh, suffice it to say, the essence of socialism. China. That's where he, if you want a Pentagon disease China. in China, yeah. that would work. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Look at it. The responses are funny. One of them, Mark Lynch says, I farted reading this article. Like, <laughs> what? Like, right? I mean, this is the kind of response. Uh, another says he should be deported. Uh, <laughs> oh, I was going to say we should all jump off a bridge, but he beat me to it. I mean, this is great. The good news is I think as I questioned about like in the opening of uh, of today's show, talking about um, the collapse of credentialism, I believe what you're saying is right, Super D. There is a great movement to get beyond authoritarianism here. And this guy is the ultimate that wrote that article in New York Post is an ultimate authoritarian. And and that's the, also the irony about the Democrats claiming uh, Trump is an authoritarian or would be. Dude, look in the mirror. I mean, what, what Biden has done through COVID is authoritarianism. What his regime has done is authoritarianism. Uh, and whether it comes from the left or the right, we don't like it. Just saying. And with that, we're going to take a pause. Top of the hour. I got announcements, upcoming events. Thanks as well. Um, any other reminders? If you have questions, please submit them at robertscatbell.com or if you're live in the chat room at robertscatbell.com slash listen or the various social media platforms that have chat rooms where we're not banned. Uh, and also you can call in. We do have a caller uh, calling in with a question at 866-939-BELL, 866-939-2355. So stick around. It's you, me, and Super D for the rest of the show. Let's have some fun because the power to heal is yours. Remember, each month, uh, Trinity School of Natural Health starts up new coursework for those that are intrigued and interested in learning about body, mind, spirit, healing, health. We don't need to treat disease. You don't have a drug deficiency, but you might have a nutrient deficiency. In fact, all of us may, likely do, and what to do about it. Trinity School of Natural Health is a place to go. If you're a doctor, nurse, you can get education you didn't get, real education that you didn't get in your schooling. And if you're just someone at home going, you know what? I just have this need to help people. Trinityschool.org, even the health coaching program to get started. My gosh, it's amazing. So Trinityschool.org, remember the TrinityHealthFreedomExpo.com is happening February 17th and 18th. And love for you to participate in that. 35 bucks, you get three months access to everything we did at the Health Freedom Expo and more because we're going to do some live stuff in addition on that weekend coming up in February. And that follows on to the uh, February 2nd and 3rd San Antonio, Texas event. Tracy Slepsevic has put this thing on, the Autism Health uh, AHS uh, Symposium. And there's, I'm not even going to go through all the names. You guys click on it in the upcoming events tab and see who's going to be there. You want to be there with us. And if you can't, there's a streaming option as well for that conference. CMEs available for doctors, CEs available for various other healthcare providers uh, that weekend. Valuable, valuable teaching tools will be revealed. 
And I'd love to see you there at that event. Then in, uh, in March, we've got a bunch of things coming up, including the uh, Wellness uh, Parenting Revolution. Uh, the Warners are hosting an event in Atlanta, the 8th through the 10th of March. I'm scheduled to MC and speak there. And there it is, the World Wellness Weekend, uh, March 8th through 10th in Atlanta. Then the following weekend, 14th through 17th of March, Lake Lanier Islands Resort, outside of Atlanta, Buford, Georgia. We did this last year. That was amazing. Third annual now. Next Steps Conference, next-steps.info. Come join us. I know it's not like going to Columbia for a health retreat, but, dude, it's good domestically. If you can make it, you will have an extraordinary experience meeting with other people, like-minded people, teaching one another, learning from each other, and celebrating the goodness, the good things that are happening. So check it out in Atlanta. Come on down wherever you are. If you're suffering in the north, Atlanta is not not bad. Yeah, I mean, look, it's not Miami in the winter, but there are going to be warm-hearted people there. So check that out and join us. And we've got even more upcoming events happening. Also, uh, once again, shout out, I mentioned my mom's birthday coming up, her 90th birthday. We're going to have the celebration on the 28th of January. Her birthday's the 29th. And she's alive at least, well, I'd say in no small part to due to the folium products that Bob Reorn introduced me to some years ago and, you know, got them to mom when she was at her worst a little over a year ago and got her back, brought her back to dancing capacity. That's no small feat. If you can help someone from 89 to 90 to do that, what could it do for you? Folium products? Yeah. Foliumpx.com. Break through that ceiling in your healing. If you're stuck, you want to get through, don't wait to be stuck. But if you are, foliumpx.com, folium immuno, folium relax, that three, three prong, prong product, amazing. Use the code RSB10 when you order to get a little discount. And uh, shout out to Bobri in, in his support of the message here that is life affirming, health, freedom, healing, liberty on tap always here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. So thank you for that. Uh, we've got, again, the upcoming event this Friday. Uh, if you want to up your athleticism, how to do it, I'll be co-hosting along with Jason Hewlett and his father, John Hewlett. And we have a professional uh, PGA Tour champion golfer uh, also talking about these uh, these wonderful tools that we have at our disposal. If you go to robertscottbell.com, there's an upcoming events tab. And it will give you that. And I think Super Don may have even put it in the notes today. Sign up. It's absolutely free. It's going to happen 7 p.m. Friday, the 19th of January. And that's uh, 4 p.m. Pacific time. So check that out. Let's see what else we got this hour. Another New York Post article here. And it's, this hour is you, me, and Super D. I'll let Super D into the mix in just a moment. Uh, after all, it is my show. Oh, you're so mean, Robert. I'm just te- I'm teasing. I, Super Don has free reign. He can open up his mic anytime. Uh, I can't stop him. He's got the control of the vertical and the horizontal. I can only control my, I think, as far as I know, my uh, audio. <laughs> so no worries. But this New York Post article is... With great oh, power comes great responsibility. That's true. And that's you, right. And you are so responsible, <laughs> it's ridiculous, even when you're not. Like, we never forget anything, right? We never forget to do stuff. I never. Ah, of course I do all the time. So this, this article we're going to get to... I'm not a violent person. Yes, I know how to defend myself. I'm willing to use violence to protect my life, my liberty, my property, my my family. And that doesn't make me a violent person. It means I'm willing to step up and say, you know what? My life, liberty, and property are worth saving and defending. Okay? Now, when we look at threats, what they call in a Tom Clancy novel, perhaps a clear and present danger, 
Would we not assess what happened like at the Wuhan laboratory when Fauci goes, I'm going to get around the prohibition. I'm going to send the money and the stuff to Wuhan, China, so they can do their thing, upregulate whatever they did. Uh, and I'm not going to get into viruses or not viruses, but let's just say making a, a dangerous toxin, if you will, and making you manufacture them through RNA injections. That didn't necessarily come out of Wuhan. That came out of the Pentagon, speaking of the Pentagon. Uh, and, and then these uh, companies have taken a lot of money and profit, including those at NIH and NIAD that have royalties from the patents. Um, you think about clear and present danger. The article from the New York Post last hour we talked about endorsing a totalitarian society that embraces the death machine that is more powerful than the Pentagon already, and that is the pharmaceutical industrial complex, having captured many agencies of many governments around the world, particularly in the West, particularly here in the United States, also in Canada, uh, but also Australia, England, a lot of the European nations that bought into the COVID thing and they shut down, they clamped down, and some people want more of that. Thankfully, most of you don't want that and realize that it wasn't so-called COVID-19 that killed people. It was a response to it. And the response, <laughs> well, rather than being appropriate like that guy said, hey, it should have been more of a shutdown. No, no, the response to it was not to support the immune system, to help detoxification pathways, to avoid injections of synthetic mRNA that would alter you into a, a toxin-producing factory, a toxic abhorrent protein-producing factory. You know, the opposite you know, should have been done, to uh, you know, just reject it all. You know, whether we like or hate Trump, whoever you are, and I'm not a sycophant, nor am I a hater. I'm, the, the derangement syndrome is ridiculous. Um, but warp speed, really? He made some mis glaring mistakes, and I, I, I think if he wants to win the presidency, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not predicting it, but it would be kind of cool if somebody got into your Trump's here and Trump went, you know what? I want to acknowledge I, I made some mistakes. I believed the wrong people. I was lied to. I was deceived. I fell for it. I, I think there'll be a lot of forgiveness for those that uh, uh, want to see somebody get in there and break up the machinery of, of, of the empire, if you will, as it is in some way, shape, or form. But, I, you know, I'm coming to this article slowly because I want to, you know, establish or paint a picture about what's going on in terms of clear and present danger. When, when we even talk about our southern borders being open, yes, that's a clear and present danger. I don't deny that. But give a, give a listen to this or get a load of this. I hope you don't get a load of this. The headline at New York Post is reading this. Chinese lab crafts mutant COVID-19 strain with 100% kill rate with surprisingly rapid death ensuing. The kill rate in humanized mice trying to mimic as closely the impact it would have on humans. I don't know how accurate it is. I don't know how truthful their claim is, but good Lord, who's funding this? Is there any NIH money coming through Fauci still flowing into this lab in China to weaponize uh, proteins in this way, for instance? It's a, it says in a Wuhan-esque study, Chinese scientists experimenting with a mutant COVID-19 strain that is 100% lethal to human mice. They call it a virus. It's known as GX underscore P2V. Attacked the brains of mice that were engineered to reflect genetic makeup similar to people. This is a, a study uh, out of Beijing, China. Now, whether it's a virus like you think it is or a virus of the origin of the word, a toxin, a poison, if this is really true, is that not a clear and present danger? And I'm not advocating, uh, let's say, bombing another country. 
without an act of, uh, you know, Congress that says we declare war. But is there a legitimate use of Congress to say declare war on a a lab that's producing something that could be 100% lethal in humans? Again, I'm not saying we should, but dude, if you think about what's really dangerous, what we've been through, weaponizing something like this, why? And Super Don, remember yesterday, I think Sutra Bhakti or, you know, others we've talked to said the reason they could get away with these investigations on weaponizing or upregulating or gain of function studies is because they're right. saying, well, it's really so that we can develop a vaccine for it. Right. Well, and then it turns out the vaccine <clears throat> is the actual death blow. So here I, I want to I want I you know, because an important part of of these stories here mm -hmm. is making sure that the headline is accurate. Uh, is accurate. So if you read this headline, mm -hmm. Chinese lab crafts mutant COVID-19 strain. If you actually read this article and you they, they do have a link to the the preprint mm -hmm. on this here. Now, in the preprint and and in the article, even the article itself here, it doesn't look like they actually did any kind of alteration intentional alteration to the virus mm -hmm. in order to make it uh, have a 100% kill rate. Apparently this is a virus that uh, uh, it was a strain that they found that has a high mortality rate in the human, uh, this whatever in yeah. this, this thing here that they would mimic uh, humans. Mm -hmm. uh, and the outcome was a result of the virus's natural evolution an adaptation in cell culture, but not a deliberate enhancement of its lethality by the researchers. So, so it's okay is, because we accidentally did It's that. not okay, but yeah. I just want to make sure that we understand mm -hmm. that I think that the New York Post kind of just uh, sensationalized a little bit mm. on the thing to make you think that they were doing some kind of gang of gain-of-function research or something. Right. Because that's a hot-button issue right now, right? So, um, but mm -hmm. here, I guess really here's the takeaway on this. Uh, apparently they've got a hold of a mutation that apparently this 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 virus came from a pangolin. Oh, going back uh, to that. Huh? Yes. See, that's and why when you say this, I immediately go, they're making this stuff up. All of it. It's possible. Yeah. I mean, it's but you know, but it's also possible that they're not. You know, I mean, we well, don't know. We don't know part, for sure. The part that I suspect they're not making up is the deadliness of whatever it is. Right. Even if I don't believe per se it's a virus according to the what most people think of those things, but deadly toxic poisons and then the manufacture of them because, you know, what we're really trying to do here is study it because we want to head it off of the past and give you a vaccine. And then it turns out through mRNA technology, the vaccine is the payload delivery. Mm -hmm. that, it's like for anybody that doesn't look at these institutions of virology at this point as criminal organizations that bring death, rain death on the planet. I don't think you've been paying attention, regardless of whether it's manufactured or, oops, we stumbled onto it. By what? Altering the environment to such a degree that the ho the hostility of that environment necessitates some evolution of some life form. Whether, again, it's a virus or not, by that definition, I'm going to stay away from that for the moment, just to acknowledge that this era of worshipfulness of virology and these institutions, I think they're all designed to weaponize and make war on the people of planet Earth, to fulfill Bill Gates' wildest dreams and others like him 
to reduce the population of the people on planet Earth. And as Sutrat Bhakti yesterday said, you know, we're looking at, we're in the midst of the mass deaths that are still ensuing post-COVID injection. And there are questions many of you have about what to do if you or a loved one has been injected once or more times. In fact, one of the questions of the day we'll get to, we'll be addressing that plus what we call the long COVID uh, recovery type summit that we're developing as well. We'll address a lot of options for you. We're not fear mongering. We're trying to provide you options out of the mess that you're in inadvertently or by making, you know, the choices that you made through fear or peer pressure or whatever. And for those of you who didn't, we're exposed to the things that people become these factories of these aberrant toxic proteins as well. So we're all impacted. And so I want to be able to bring as much help to everybody that I can. And so that's our, you know, part of our journey here in 2024 in rebuilding and repairing for those that are ready for that. And the thing that I would want to know about this, mm -hmm. this particular situation is, um, are they, are they just tinkering with this deadly 100% kill rate virus uh, in a way that the only way that this would kill people is if it were uh, to come uh, artificially from a lab or something, mm. or is this something that would naturally spill over from a pangolin? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's an important detail, you know, because a lot of what happens, I believe, I'm mm -hmm. not a scientist, but I, I believe in the stuff that I've read and the stuff I've seen over the, the few years here, mm -hmm. that what will happen is these labs will take a virus that normally or naturally would not spill over into the environment. Mm -hmm. They tinker with it in a lab uh, and 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 create uh, create a situation where yeah now now in the lab yeah. if you accidentally touch it it will kill you but in nature yeah, exactly. it would not have and so yeah I, and they do this in the name of well it's possible at some point that it could mm -hmm. spill over and so yeah. we're going to get in here and play with it right now so that we can try and protect you mm -hmm. uh, type of thing I I have a hunch that's probably what's going on here mm -hmm. which would then. That justify the, the outrage that people yeah. are having with this. Cause it's like, why are you doing this? Yeah. Did we not learn anything? This is typically the case. Uh, I will bring up historical example and, and, you know, peer reviewed example too. If we talk about medical literature, going back to the 1990s and Ebola, the emergence of Ebola, the discussions about Ebola, we got to find a vaccine for Ebola. Yet the studies that showed the reintroduction of the humble trace element that is feared by some in medicine, selenium, completely caused reversal of what they called the manifestations of Ebola, whether you believe it's a virus or not. Again, I recognize we've got a diverse audience. Some do, some don't. So uh, since we won't solve it by yelling at each other over this thing, let's just talk about the results of the presence of what they call Ebola, the bleeding out of the eyes, etc. Selenium supplementation reversed it. Yet they're still, even though it's in the peer-reviewed medical literature, still looking for a vaccine, mRNA particularly, because, again, that's it. All bets are on what mRNA technology for the future of vaccinology, despite the disaster that it is and in evidence is for everybody. And as yesterday's guest, uh, Dr. Bhakti, talked about, they're investing fully in everything becoming mRNA technology. Yeah. If we oh, allow yeah. that to happen, we don't deserve life. Heck yeah, man. You kidding me? Moderna and Merck and stuff like yeah. that. They know they've stumbled on a gold mine here. Mm -hmm. I mean, hey, everything's going to be M M mRNA. Steve, what exactly is humanized mice? Disney's Mickey Mouse better watch out. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So, so basically what a humanized mouse is, is they've genetically <laughs> modified the mouse to express human genes. So then they can 
test stuff on it. How about that for abominable behavior yeah. by arrogant humans, yeah. if you can call them that? I think these are the lizard people among which, scientists. Which makes me laugh every time that I, I see something like this. Uh, mm -hmm. It reminds me years ago. I don't know if you remember this or not. Mm -hmm. uh, back in the day when I was having fun with David Gorski. Yeah. He had put out an article uh, about, ma about mice that had been subjected to a, a, a horrible acupuncture study. <laughs> and I was looking at that. It was just, I was like, they tortured these, these mice with acupuncture. Mm -hmm. And, and I actually, I, I, I think I probably have it somewhere, but I created a funny video. It was an ASPCA uh, parody video mm -hmm. of, of David Gorski. Yeah. And because I thought it was interesting how on the one hand, you don't see him writing articles about the torture of genetically modified mice being used in in labs for experiments where they're doing horrendous things to these things, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they're growing tumors and two heads and 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 you know, they're being tortured and stuff like that. Yet he just wanted to cry and weep and and rent his clothing yeah. over over the fact that that somebody put little tiny needles uh in a mouse. I, I'll bet you the mice didn't die. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, if anything, they probably felt better, but, uh, yeah. Anyway, that just reminds me of that. So here you've got genetically modified mice to express these ACE2, uh, genes, and then they, mm -hmm. uh, subject them to this deadly 100% kill rate virus that apparently goes into your brain and that's how it kills you. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and killed the there mice are, with, with the virus. There are folks that invest in this because they know that the fear will induce the acceptance of a treatment that is really the kill shot, as we found out. And no holding back. Again, Sutra Bhakti yesterday is like, no holding back. These, these are murderers. We talk about Scott Shera, those in hospitals. They're engaged in murderous activity, resulting in the deaths of people that didn't need to die based on the physiological shape or, or condition. Now, let's talk about the response to these things. The Alliance for Natural Health, our friends at anh-usa.org, have an article out. Um, it says, why more drugs won't save us from antibiotic resistance. This has been a big part of my journey because I was raised on antibiotics. My gut was destroyed by antibiotics through my young life. I was on the Antibiotic of the Month Club much of my young life. Infection after infection always met with immune-destroying toxic poisons. So... Antibiotic-resistant infections are a public disaster that kill apparently 3,500 people a day globally, projected to kill 300 million people a year by 2050. Again, these are not normal infections, but these are made resistant because of prior use and abuse of antibiotics. So that when you rely on allopathic medicine, modern medicine, they have no longer a drug that can help you, can save you, even temporarily, because they've abused these so-called wonder drugs, toxic poisons that arguably could be used in a life or death situation to bring somebody back from the brink. And great, but they've been overused and abused, including in uh, raising livestock, so that even if you don't take the antibiotics, you're being exposed to things that are resistant to them. Big Pharma's answer, we've talked about this for years and years and years, is what? Is to develop even more powerful antibiotic drugs to fight the infections, right? We keep seeing this. It's like if we could just make it bigger, bigger nuclear uh, explosion in the body. Never mind that they're destroying the body and the home for the microbiome and the microbiome itself. Neglecting what? The microbial presence, the microbiome in the gut, the mouth, the skin, all of that is utilized to protect us. And modern medicine, like the Pentagon, 
says, kill them all, let whatever sort them out, because they don't believe in God. So we know that a slew of natural compounds like certain peptides, silver, copper, yes, botanicals, and homeopathics offer various alternatives to antibiotics, and it's harder to impossible for those microbes to develop resistance. But there's no real money because you can't patent many of those things, as we know, and profit from them. I will add one more thing into this mix before I go to the next article. It is that the use of th something like silver, which we know is a broad-spectrum antimicrobial substance, when added into defunct dead antibiotics, suddenly the antibiotics work again. How many times have I covered studies like that? They engineer the silver into the antibiotic, and whoa, behold, it's good, it works. Well, did you consider that it wasn't the antibiotic that died and doesn't work anymore? That suddenly works again because it's because the silver and you could eliminate the whole antibiotic thing. Use the silver and guess what? It works without the antibiotic. But of course, the idea is to attach and patent the silver to the antibiotic and now you have patent protection for another however umpteen number of years or decades. Modern medicine, the process of what? Removing you from the money you earn and killing you either slowly or quickly depending on the drug category you're ingesting or being injected with. Second article in this vein, antifungals, even more toxic and dangerous than antibiotics. Apparently they're now going the way of antibiotics. They're overused. And guess what? They're also hitting resistance. And now the Centers for Disease Creation and Promotion, the CDC, urging clinicians to confirm fungal infections before prescribing antifungal medications. As you know, a lot of times uh, doctors will prescribe antibiotics for what they call viral infections and even fungal infections. And now they're just going right to antifungals because so many people are so weak and so sick. And antifungals are even more toxic to the immune system and even more toxic to the liver than antibiotics. And yet both silver and copper, copper in particular has even more potent antifungal properties. In addition, more potent anti parasitic properties goes to the next level of will the parasites also develop resistance to antiparasitic drugs that are highly toxic drug resistance to fungal skin infections like ringworm identified in at least 11 us states resistance on the rise everywhere because modern medicine is arrogant it's singular in its approach. It's like, let's poison people back to health by killing the thing that we think is killing them. In the meantime, ignoring the fact that the thing that you use to kill the thing that is, you think is killing them is actually killing them. All of you. The reliance over generations now on these antibiotics and microbial drugs is devastating to the integrity of our immune system, our microbiome, our liver, and all the things the microbiome does to keep us young and healthy and vital. It's war on ourselves. Allopathic medicine is warfare medicine, and it's war on us, especially if it's mandated and made monopoly, which it has been in much of the Western world for generations now. The way out is not more worship of medical doctors and PhD scientists studying deadly, whatever they call it, viruses, or finding new ones so they can make anti-whatevers out of them or for them. It's about recognizing the law of the terrain and restoring integrity to the health of the terrain, the environment, the milieu, the liver, the kidneys, the lymph, the blood, the microbiome, the home for the microbiome, etc. And for years, this is my 25th year broadcasting, 30th year as a homeopath, I don't think I've changed my tune much at all. The only thing I do is tend to learn even more detailed nuances of the things that are rooted in the principles of natural health and healing.
that which applies the natural laws that exist beyond the pension of arrogant medical men, monopolists, to try and conquer nature with toxic poisons or ionizing radiation or surgical interventions, which can, again, arguably in certain circumstances, be life-saving. But in many cases, they're the result of medical treatment gone awry that led to the necessity of cutting people open and resectioning their colon, for instance, because of the reliance on antibiotics and anti-inflammatories like prednisone or the various derivatives, et cetera. Antifungals, we have ways to deal with that. Homeopathic medicines, herbal medicines, antiparasitic medicines in nature, not synthesized, but available in botanical form. Medicinal mushrooms to some degree, silver and copper, and yes, even gold in the hydrosol form, ideally. We have all of the options already. They're already available. We've been using, I've been using, many of you have been using them. If you're new to the Robert Scott Bell Show, you start integrating them. And doctors, you're out there too. You know how you do it. You toe tap a little. You put your foot in the water and say, oh, it's not so bad. Okay, try it out, test it out. You see, you gain comfort and confidence in the use of them as you see the results and you begin to take the foot off the gas of drugs, pharmaceutical, pharmacia, and you begin, you know, as you break in that, you start easing and transitioning into the use of natural botanicals or minerals, including the metals like silver and copper, and finding out the benefit and not the detriment. Therefore, we already have all the answers. This doesn't mean stop research, but I would say the dead-end research into synthesizing, engineering genetically or otherwise responses to things in the natural world that can be countered by things in the natural world. Instead of Wuhan laboratory going, hey, what can we do to muck up the, these proteins, make them toxic and deliver them in, uh, in synthetic mRNA injections to produce the proteins that you say you want the antibodies to result? And on and on it goes. The absurdity of the arrogance of medical man knows no limits. And it is not only destructive of the, the human spirit, but it's destructive of the human and animal body, ultimately. Even if you can argue it in unique circumstances, some of it is life-saving. I acknowledge it in terms of warfare-type medicine. I hope this is helpful to you in hearing it. It's not a message of doom and gloom. It's an acknowledgement of the doom and gloom in fully an allopathic medical methodology that's in monopoly and the hope and the healing and the resilience and the reality that we have the power to heal. We've been given it by that which created us all, whether you believe that's God or something else. The natural world has all of the options and solutions to counteract the things that man creates artificially, synthetically. So. What are we going to do from here? Well, let's uh, turn our attention to the American Academy of Pediatrics. This is an organization I've not been a fan of for a long time. Once I realized that they were kind of pharmaceutically funded stooges for the pharmaceutical industrial complex, particularly the vaccinology division of that uh, religion or, or cult. They love to shoot up your kids with these things based on the CDC schedule, despite the fact that there's no scientific evidence for safety or efficacy because they don't do double-blind placebo-controlled studies on one or multiples of those shots that they give those kids. So I think it's a patently unscientific organization that is against the life and health and immune system of your child in reality. Now, they might not have that overt belief because they maybe believe their own lies. They believe they're helping your kid by getting them injected according to the schedule. Well, something happened. Somebody got to them. I don't know how this happened, but there's an article about the AAP and this was a publication, uh, peer-reviewed, apparently, uh, of the AAP and Pediatrics Journal. 
And the headline reads, Use of Genetically Modified Organisms, GMO, Containing Foods, Products, and Children. It's a free article for download. You guys can download if you want and read it, and you'll find out, my gosh, they're not actually openly advocating, at least this article, for the use of genetically modified so-called foodstuffs in kids, much less highly processed foods, glyphosate, pesticide-laden foods. They actually acknowledge, yeah, there are some current concerns here. Now, no surprise, you're not going to go as far as I would in describing the importance of eating organically and staying away from these things. But, Super Don, were you a little bit surprised by this article as I was? The AAP? I was I was a lot of bit uh, <laughs> surprised. Right. Uh, because, you know, they, they literally, and, you know, they, what they, they wrote to the lead author mm -hmm. on this study here, uh, the Stephen A. Abrams, mm -hmm. uh, wrote a, an accompanying article at healthychildren.org, which kind of takes, takes uh, it, it makes it a little more easy for the layman uh, person like me <laughs> to read. Yeah. Uh, and so, so it, it, this is basically about, so what is the, the new, um, you know, the, the, the new uh, look that the AAP is taking at GMOs? Mm. Now, you would just fully expect that this would be a... Um, you know, uh, GMOs are good for you. Right. Everybody who talks uh, yeah, about them is anti-science. Glyphosate, uh, yeah. you know, you can drink a quart of it and it won't hurt you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the the science saying that it's bad is all faulty. You know, it's not it's junk science. <clears throat> but actually it goes the opposite. And, and they actually say in here that, uh, you know, here's the question. Are GMOs safe to eat? Uh, and they point out now, you know, this, it's interesting that the, this argument is one of the, the first ones that people will make when they're talking about GMOs, mm -hmm. they'll say, well, GMO genetic, changing the genetic code of plants, that's been around forever <laughs> because there's hybrid plants, you know, where you can, you can graft, you know, uh, you know, uh, plants to each other. And that's how you come up with tangerines, right? You right. know, it's how, like, how do we describe that methodology being far different from engineering though, in the same because, way? Because, you know, obviously, you know, we eat that kind of food, um, you know, it would be like a a uh, an African American person and an Asian person had a baby. Mm -hmm. Is that a genetically engineered baby? No, there's a no. naturally. Yeah, exactly. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. I mean, it's it's you, it's you mate with whoever you mate with. Now, yeah, you take a tomato, thing. yeah, and you inject a gene from a fish carp or carp. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay, yeah. that's not normal. <laughs> that's not mating. Yeah, that's not right. Mating. Yeah. That's genetic engineering, and that is something that that you know people we're we're going to look at and go, that's that doesn't seem right. Mm -hmm. But AAP, uh, you know, is looking at this and they're saying, well, some GMO foods may pose health risks, especially for kids. And it's just like you know, play the screeching tires sound effect. Mm -hmm. What? Really? This is what the this is what they're saying. Since when? Right? Yeah. Um. They say it's because most genetic engineering has focused on making crops resistant to, to weed killers, herbicides, that farmers spray in large quantities on the food we later eat. Genetic mm -hmm. engineering enables crops like corn and da da da, you know, to herbicides. Yeah. Uh, how herbicides can pose a health threat. The main ingredient in herbicides used across the United States is glyphosate. Yeah. Uh, when glyphosate first approved, da da da, this could increase the risks for some blood cancers. Including specific kinds of leukemia and lymphoma. I'm looking at this. I'm like, yeah. 
what am I reading here? This is not from uh, Jeffrey Smith. This is from the AAP. This is uh, this is like a real deal here. So, and we know that the uh, Skepduck's heads were exploding over this because the AAP was a reliable pro chemistry, synthetic chemistry, pro drug, pro vaccine. You know, never met. Uh, you know, again, a toxic chemical that apparently didn't like to inject into children. Uh, yet somehow, some way, they look at this and they go, "Well, you know, there's some issues here." And you know, it took we'll them a to, while to get we'll there. To see if we can get Jeffrey Smith on and talk about this for sure. Yeah, yeah I, I'm working on that. I'd like to do that. I saw sure. this. I actually, I, when I read this, I immediately sent it to him. I said, "Hey, look, I, I, I thought of you when I saw this. Would you like to come on the show and yeah. talk about this?" And it took him a few days, but eventually yeah. he was like, "Yeah." So we'll be getting him on here soon to Excellent. talk about this because. Uh, you're right. Uh, the 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 good folks over at Skeptic Central. Yeah. Um. Uh. One one of the people wrote an article there, and um. I thought it was interesting, so we'll we'll take a look at that here very soon, and maybe kind of ha have a little fun at their expense because, uh, they, as you would suspect, mm -hmm. they accuse immediately of the AAP has lost their mind. They've been smoking crack. Uh, and are are spreading misinformation. So we'll yeah we'll we'll take Who got a, to them right. Who got yeah, them? we'll we'll take a closer look at that. Uh, at a I think later that day. the skeptic is it has a dying religion, if you will. They're desperately trying to hold and constrain people's uh, belief systems into their religion or their cult. Right. And because of the as we talk about the opening of today's show, that the, the uh, collapse of credentialism. I mean, these people are all about ego credentials establishing a reality based on who has uh, the majority on consensus and belief and uh, people are leaving it even within their credential community. Uh, so it's a, it's a sad hokey <laughs> religion when I talk about, and I respect people's religious beliefs. I just don't have a lot of respect for the religion of synthetic monopoly, modern medicine, pharmacia, pharmacia outside of the limited area where it has uh, legitimate value. Uh, so maybe that maybe I'm intolerant now, and maybe that's like uh, you found you my are you are so intolerant. That and the, you know the transgender, the issue that what these people that are credential believe you can change your gender, you can alter and butcher your body all you want. You're still born a certain way. Um, if you're an adult, you you're free to do it. Don't recommend it. People that have done it, they're not so happy. We talk about the suicide right there as well. All right, I don't mean to divert to that topic it's just something that comes back to mind as we talk <laughs> you just about couldn't help things. it man just, couldn't help just it couldn't help it i tell you what i do want to talk about and and i'm probably going to be in the bonus round vivek ramaswamy super don i want to talk about some things that i've seen since we last talked about him. i think you'll appreciate okay, okay? yeah okay so that'll right. be bonus round right. uh for now remember y'all can call the robert scott bell show 24 7 leave a voicemail if you want it on the air, we'll play it on the air. If you don't, or if you want to remain anonymous, we'll, we'll respect that too. Uh, but the number is 866-939-BELL, 866-939-2355. And that, uh, if you're ready, that leads us to our caller of the day. Hey, Dr. Bell. My name is Jared calling from uh, Richmond, Virginia. I had a question about where to purchase any items that you have that can get the COVID vaccine out of your body. I'm not sure where I heard it, but I do believe that you had something like that. All right, Jared, thank you for calling in, buddy. 
Appreciate it. It's an important question, although it's a different question, Super D, from previous uh, vaccinations where we talk about actually detoxifying from the ingredients of the vaccine, although that could still be part of the process of recovery. But never before that we know of was a vaccine engineered to entwine itself with your DNA by, you know, basically. Well, the mRNA, the the spike proteins, right? The mRNA is is a whole. The mRNA causes, according to the design, right your dna to conform or produce or engineer if you will the factory proteins that are abhorrent and toxic that you never would have produced that's what it's it's instructing your dna again make this make this make this so it's an instruction sheet as opposed to let's throw an antigen along with a lot of other nasty stuff in and we can mm-hmm. go all right let's detox from that so it's different now we are going to be focusing on a lot of the issues that Jared brings up in our long COVID recovery type summit. We're we're scheduling interviews, getting that all set up, and it's going to be a a barn burner, an important discussion with a lot of great people. Uh, That will be part of it. Now, for the purposes of answering Jared's question, I think he's referring to the fact that I've talked about homeopathic medicine specifically, helping to correct that which has gone awry or aberrant. Man has done what can be correcting that. I think the energies of creation. And we know that we utilize substances and homeopathy based on the symptom picture that presents itself. And it doesn't matter whether it's caused by A, B, or C. If the symptoms manifest and match, we can see correction occur. Now, with the unusualness of these injections, wrongly called vaccines, we have something that's quite difficult because it's beyond detoxification itself doesn't mean detox is not important and we wouldn't want to promote it. We do. And I do, but it's an instructional issue. And I perceive a lot of what homeopathy does is restore the instructional blueprint to the body. Hey, you're doing this. You're supposed to be doing this, not according to man, but according to creation itself, because we're taking substances from the natural world. However, we can take substances from the unnatural world. That is that which man creates and convert via serial dilution and succussion to make it completely safe. It can't harm a baby and then ingest it in terms of communication and correction. So I believe ultimately homeopathy is going to play a huge and vital, maybe the most essential role of all in correcting the mistakes of arrogant medical man with these injections. So if you would, Jared, if you haven't done this already, send an email to superdon, ask rsb at gmail.com. And put in the headline, what do you call it? The subject, jab reverse. For lack of a bit, that's what we've been using. Just that's a reminder. And so that I will forward it to my friend who will be featured in this discussion when we do that long COVID recovery. But if you don't want to wait, and why would you? Then I will connect you and you can follow up and utilize the homeopathics that we have at our disposal already. Right. So I'm just going to put it out there as that we're not publicizing it big other than if you're already part of the Robert Scott Bell show. And also, Jared, if you don't mind, consider becoming a patron supporter of the Robert Scott Bell show, because once a month we do Zoom AMAs, ask me anything. And you for a little. Come on, tell me where you can get that kind of direct uh, information, resource Q&A as little as four ninety nine or five bucks a month. Of course, it'd be great if you anybody can do more than that, please do. It helps us to do things, including revamping our website, which is going to cost a little bit. But thank God you guys are here to help us to do that. It's going to be amazing. It's looking great. 
Uh, but Jared, if you do that, go to the, you know, we have a patron banner, just click on it, become a patron supporter. There is a free level too, but if you would consider, and you can pay the whole year in advance if you don't like monthlies, that's fine. That helps. The free uh, level doesn't get you in yeah. on the, the, the AMAs, AMAs and, and, and yeah. the, all other freebies. Yeah. But you, you, our next one is the 24th of January. It's Wednesday, a week from today. Uh, and it'll be seven o'clock Eastern. 4 p.m. Pacific after the show, after the Wednesday broadcast. Uh, so please, and, and that's where you can ask even more questions. Sometimes I bring on special guests, maybe like the guy that I'm hinting at, perhaps. So you get sneak previews at things we can't do yet for what we call public consumption, right? These are behind the wall, so to speak. So uh, that's a consideration as well, Jared. Hopefully that's helpful to you. Yeah, we, we hadn't gotten a call in a long time. That was a good one. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. Call us anytime. All right. We have reached the end of the show almost. No, we got some time. Don't be well, rushed. We got, we got six minutes. Okay. What do we do in the last six minutes? What do you think? How about one of these? Playing all of the homeopathic hits every day, right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. It's the homeopathic hit of the day. Woo-hoo. Echinacea? Really? That humble purple coneflower. Yes, it's also used in homeopathy. Shout out to Nutritional Frontiers, Trinity School of Natural Health, and Folium PX for supporting us, making this message of health freedom and specifically the homeopathic hit of the day possible. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Echinacea, that immune modulating substance from what? The echinacea plant. And uh, we've got a PDF download for free for those of you who watch the show regularly. You can watch it and, and get it live. But if you want to get it later as a separate from the entire two-hour-plus show, you, know, you also need to be a patron supporter. But the PDF is free. You can get it. It's there. But if you want to see the video clip of what we're doing now, please consider stepping it up. Echinacea, the remedy for immune support and infection prevention. So these homeopathic hits are used to uh, introduce you to various homeopathic remedies. Some are common, more common than others. Some are very obscure. We'll get to them all eventually, given enough time. This is known for boosting the immune system and preventing infection. And so let's dive in. Or echinacea, derived from the echinacea purpurea plant. There's also the angustifolia, but primarily the purpurea, also known as the purple coneflower. There it is. Isn't that pretty? You see, does it look purple? Yeah, it does. In my blue blocker glasses, it looks kind of orange, but that's the tint I have to protect me from the blue light coming off of the uh, monitors here. So it's an immune-boosting property. It's known uh, in herbalism in the, every health food store. I mean, it's one of the more commonly known, quote-unquote, remedies, natural remedies for colds and flus and things like that. So we can use it as a homeopathic. Echinacea, again, supporting the immune system. Indicated also in cases of slow healing of wounds and skin infections. If you got a mental aspect to this, it could be considered fatigue or malaise and recovery, you know, or the onset of these infections, weakened immune system. And its primary focal point, not surprisingly, is immune support, strengthening the immune system, preventing infections, infection treatment, helping you to overcome or reverse them whether it be colds and flu, reversing uh, or uh, reducing severity and duration, and also, again, wound healing. You can grow echinacea. It's a commonly growing plant in North America, and uh, right now I'm growing more calendula than I am uh, the echinacea, but we'll get into that as a common adjunct to echinacea as well as we scroll down the PDF here for more information on the homeopathic hit. Now, you can convert the herb into homeopathic medicine by serial dilution and succussion. If you did a one to 10 ratio, six times, you know, each time dilute, succuss, dilute, succuss, you get a six, a 10, well, 10 times it's a 10 X, six times it's a six X. We would often use 
homeopathic echinacea in a 3X, which is only one part per 1,000, as an adjunct to other things that we were addressing, often immune issues, infectious issues in our homeopathic remedies. At a 3X, it's kind of like in between two worlds. I call it an herbal, although it's technically a homeopathic already, but it has a lot of the impact of the herb and a homeopathic uh, attenuation. If you want to go into the higher potencies, I don't haven't used echinacea as a high, high potency. I guess there are some that do, but if you want, that's okay too. Complementary remedies. Here, let's go into those real quick. Some of these, you might be getting good at picking some of these out, like aconitum napellus, which is the first sign of anything, like an infection's coming on. You can use the aconitum homeopathic along with echinacea at the first sign, sudden onset, if you will, of colds and flu. Calendula. It's useful for wound healing and skin infections, complementing echinacea's actions there. I always, again, want to remind you about the fever remedies. Phosphorus, particularly when you have a cold or a flu with fever, think phosphorus when fever is present in adults particularly. And if you have children, you start with belladonna first as a homeopathic adjunct to the use of even homeopathic echinacea. Now, we have it. It's completely safe. As an herb, it's fairly safe too. But self-prescription for serious conditions, eh. You know, care for yourself, sure. But if it's over your head, reach out for help to a homeopath or an herbalist, somebody that can not poison you back to health if they can claim to do that. Uh, but if you have a significant issue, please consult somebody that's appropriate to help you. So as we wrap up the homeopathic hit of the day, echinacea is pretty straightforward, a valuable, yes, even as a homeopathic remedy, particularly effective for immune support, infection prevention and reversing, aiding in wound healing. And if you like these homeopathic hits like I've learned to love them. <laughs> Super Don squoke them into existence. And you guys did too. Uh, please tune into the homeopathic kits and share them. This is good news. Good stuff. Little education, information. It's not to replace a doctor if you have one or want one, but it's uh, really to support your information education opportunities so you can make more fully informed decisions about the care for yourself, your loved ones, and helping others in the community. So thank you. As well, Nutritional Frontiers, Foley and PX, Trinity School for being uh, sponsors to this show and making things like this possible in addition to your wonderful education, products, supplements, etc. cetera. Uh, so as we wrap up uh, the second hour of the Robert Scott Bell Show, I want to remind you, for those that listen on UK Health Radio, we love you over there, you Brits. Uh, we also do bonus rounds beyond what they have time to air. So if you ever want to come on over to robertscottbell.com slash listen, catch us live or even later, and the podcast also super done has the bonus round in them in an audio format. And I think video format, we continue on with rumble and a number of other opportunities. And so super done, a look at the rumble chat and other places in case we haven't hit your question or comment. And we'll hit that in the bonus round. As I said, one of the things I do want to talk about, I know it's weird, but I do, I want to talk about some revelations about Vivek Ramaswamy as he's resigned from running for president and endorsed Donald Trump. Some interesting revelations on him. So stand by for that and a whole lot more here on the United States and world of health talk media. My 25th year broadcasting. I hope you enjoy it. Even if you've shown up for the, for the first day ever, you're welcome here. The water's warm and it's not toxic. It doesn't have microplastics in it. Super Don will be happy about that. But it does remind you, as I do, the power to heal is yours. All right, bonus round commences now. Dude, you had to do mountain biking, really? I thought you would appreciate that one. I would, but now it makes me like, oh, I can't get out there in the snow and mountain oh, bike. Okay. Like I don't uh, have spiked tires. I know it's kind of crazy, but yes. Sorry. Shoveled again this morning, my friend. 
Yeah, in fact, uh, I when I got a hold of uh, Ty earlier and yeah, wanted to see if he was getting out some time. Right? Yeah, he was saying he was out shoveling. Uh, they'd gotten seven inches of snow, so yeah, <clears> it's more rare in Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, so my gosh, it does get cold there. Oh yeah, it can. It's a, it's yeah. kind of a Midwest, the deep South cold in the winter. It's a wet cold. Yeah. Uh, it, it goes right through you, uh, but uh, you know the winters are shorter there, and uh, you know. As I, I'm longing for, uh, you know, I, every day I wake up, I say, honey, is winter over yet? Mm-hmm. So now I'm like, after years of it now, I'm like, oh, yeah, now you're I, ready, like, huh? I liked it when I got to, you know, annoy Super Don with being at the beach on Christmas and <laughs> Thanksgiving and stuff like that. But yeah. we got to find a way to do more of that anyway. I'll tell you when, mm-hmm. when we lived in, uh, in, in the South, when we, we stayed there, you know, we went and visited, uh, I li- lived in Texas. Mm-hmm. And then went to uh, Louisiana, and then went to Arkansas. Yeah, um, Arkansas got snow, but Louisiana and Texas. Uh, I was I was I remember being specifically in Louisiana at Christmas time, mm-hmm. and it was eighty something degrees outside. And yeah. I'll tell you what, it was weird. But at yeah, the same time, I was like, you know, I could I could live with this. But you had like East Bay, California winters too. Right. That too, it's well, very temperate climate in yeah. in the Bay Area in California. You have a history of not having brutal winters too. Right, yeah. right, right, right. So, <laughs> so anyway. All right, hey, how 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 are you doing, my friend? With uh, anything you want to share about your 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 new cleaner eating habits of the new year? How's it getting going? more used to it? It yeah. it, t- it took a little bit to kind of sure. figure out. So how do I eat now? Yeah. Um, and so you know, I, I don't know if this is a common thing, but it's like we started off very rudimentary <laughs> yes you know it was like piece of organic meat organic vegetable you yeah. know and you're like well, okay so what's gonna be our our starchy side dish right and we've <laughs> actually to be honest with you we have at this point we've pretty much eliminated mm-hmm. the starchy side dish side of things so we're mm-hmm. almost eating kind of almost like a like a paleo nice. kind of thing not intentionally yeah. But it's it's like uh, I sent you a picture the other night of of the the sheet pan of of vegetables mm-hmm. and and we kind of we were pretty much doing that like every night now where mm. it's just just a, a giant cookie sheet and it's just whatever whether it's are, the are you thinking based on that about what you're going to grow this coming growing season maybe yeah, yeah. I mean that, that's an interesting thought you know. Yeah. But we've been—I've really been enjoying. We get these uh, these uh, rainbow carrots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know they're all different kinds, and you know broccoli and cauliflower. We did a—we bought a uh, went over to the natural grocers and bought a a yellow beet mm-hmm. and chopped that up and you know threw that on there and stuff. So roasted vegetables we really yeah. like. So it's it's meat and mm-hmm. vegetables, meat and instead of meat and potatoes, which is the way right. I I've been you know all my life. Sure. Um, yeah, all organic. So we're getting more used to it now and we're mm-hmm. starting to have a little more complex. Last night I made meatballs. Nice. Uh, and, and, uh, we still have, uh, uh, potatoes that I grew over the, you know, the, the growing season. Right. And, uh, you know, I think, I think we, if I'm not mistaken, my wife put them in a turkey pot pie we made cause we still had uh, organic frozen turkey from like Christmas time. Uh, thawed out and put into that. That was great. And carrots. She said, you know, go out there and harvest more carrots. Because mm-hmm. right? we grow a whole bed, like a four by eight bed of carrots every year. You know, now. I probably, I, I think I probably will do that this year. Mm-hmm. I haven't grown carrots yet. Yeah. But I eat a lot of, of, of now. Yeah. 
Dude, I've ate more. I've eaten more vegetables mm-hmm. in the last two weeks than I think I ate in the last six months. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's hey, it's just super. I'm thinking out loud for you. Okay, yep. carrots, right? I don't want you to fill up, you know, the limited bed space, you know, growing bed space to only carrots, right? Because I do a whole. We've got more room than you, but. You can, you know, in ground, you don't even need to raise bed for carrots. If you can just rehabilitate and mix in some good soil, mm-hmm. you can put them like in the corner of the yard back where you, you don't have to do much. Yeah, our our yard here is kind of trashy and yeah. I, I don't I don't trust the soil. Okay. Uh, I just, I, I don't know. It's the, the oh, people dude, that have talking. lived here in this place before yeah. us did not take care of the yard. So it's really kind of just a, you don't know. I, I get it. Okay. I just threw it out there. Junk and, and yeah. stuff like, like that's, that's buried in the dirt. And I just, mm-hmm. I don't trust it. So, well, as I was harvesting carrots yesterday, I was like, Oh, I remember trying to harvest carrots midwinter for my, my, mm-hmm. they're not technically raised beds. What we do, we do the a modified form of hugo culture, as we talked about before, right. but because we've had so much snow, it insulated the ground beneath it. So the ground was easy to dig through. It wasn't frozen. And in like last year, we had some, we had a lot of snow, but it was like when I was trying to harvest carrots, it was like the the soil was impacted solid ice. And I had to use like a, a, a pickaxe to get in there uh, to get the carrots out. Uh, but because there was such a nice layer of snow, it had insulated the soil. So it was very easy. And I, I dug up, I don't know, a dozen carrots. You know, and and they're very sweet after the snow, as we've learned uh, over the years here. So, uh, talking some some good food stuff here on the Robert Scab Bell Show because I'm not fasting today. Uh, yeah, anyway. I would love to try and grow broccoli again, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm like hesitant yeah. because it was just a it was just a wash. I mean, it was just I didn't even know what to do with it. It was weird. <laughs> it was like it wasn't like a broccoli. It was like all these things that were just. So, because I, I do like broccoli, I do like uh, you know cauliflower, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know root vegetables. Probably going to be yeah. looking at root vegetables uh, coming up here and tomatoes. Yeah, I always well, look, do good with tomatoes. I mean, I, I I know some people are anti-potato, but gosh, they're good, you know. Yeah. And people have survived famines. Well, there has been potato famines, but I mean, right. they they are you know a good source of uh, things in a grid down scenario. Uh, they're easier to grow. And you can grow them somewhat year round. Uh, so, anyway, just threw that yeah. out there as a thought. Thanks for the update, Super D. I well, know we'll be getting thanks. more. Thanks, thanks for the question. All right. So, uh, oh, by the way, uh, yeah. Cleo says that uh, her cardio miracle is on the way. Awesome. Wait, or go. is it cardio miracles on the way? <laughs> on there the you way, go. Yeah. Awesome. And and by the way, Friday again, we have the uh, upcoming cardio miracle webinar focused on elite a- yes. athletic uh, endeavors. So, okay. So what, what is this, this thing about, uh, Vivec Vivec here? So again, I want to talk about this because look, I've been on the record saying, I like what he says, you know, I enjoy hearing him. He's a great orator. It's engaging. I like the way he pushes back on certain questions in the media. So I just, I'm just saying, I know some people are going to hate what I say. Some will love it. Some will go, Oh, whatever. Um, my point bringing Vivek up is because I, you know, I was reading about him and I hadn't done a lot of homework on the guy. It was just a superficial thing. Cause I hadn't seen him in the debates or anything. And that's why super Don's like, eh, I don't like the guy. And others are saying the same thing. Like, okay. Then uh, I did some reading on it, including David Martin uh, has been talking about the fact that he, he made a big fortune in uh, his, I guess it's a biotech pharmaceutical type company with the lipid nanoparticle uh, delivery system. 
you know, the lipid nano part was essential to the uh, so-called uh, COVID injections. And he's made, made off pretty well from that. Yet I've not heard him talk at all, even though he seems to be for freedom and not mandate guy. But I think if he had in, you know, true integrity, he would acknowledge the death damage destruction of his lipid nanoparticles as part of the mRNA injections. And he would go, you know what? I'm sorry. And what I'd like to do is use some of the money that I made profited off of and, and donate it to those people who have been victimized by it to support them. And, and maybe yeah. I'm unrealistic in saying that, but to me, that's the human side that I don't see from this guy in acknowledging something that is a great, I believe wrong. He's profited handsomely off of it and not as far as I know, talked about it at least recently overtly about his role in that, even as he speaks a good game about freedom and other things. And then he's running for president and then he backs down and just in time for Iowa to happen and endorses president Trump. And like, whether you like or hate Trump again, uh, you know, there's no way to get along with everybody because you either don't like him enough or you don't hate him enough. You, you can't be he got like, like 7%, I think in Iowa. Vivek, right. Yeah. yeah. But he, but he's like, I'm done. So, all right. Now, could it be a strategy of his so that if, if Trump were to win, he's in right. And Trump sure. loves the fact that Vivek is well-spoken and now is endorsing him. And Trump's vulnerability is if you suck up to him, he'll like, dude, he'll ignore all the stuff that, you know, you should be paying attention to as well. And, uh, one of the things that I see, I'm just looking at the Twitter feed, uh, that Vivek has come out and said in an interview, I think with Jesse Waters, he's like one of the first priorities, if he has the, the ear of Trump, if Trump were to become president, is to pardon Julian Assange. Pardon Julian Assange. Again, this, yeah. something that we've been in favor of for a long time. Mm-hmm. So it's like he delivers these things that are, I think are really good and agreeable. And I think most people should say, yeah, why is that guy who pointed out some horrible things that were happening within our deep state, if you will, why should he be considered an enemy of the state? Isn't he kind of pointing out some things that violate our constitution? wouldn't that be a good thing? Should we be thankful for that? Uh, so again, it's such a mixed bag and, and it's hard to determine sincerity. Is it possible that Vivek has changed in some way, you know, cause we say, well, he, he went to school and he was funded by Soros, right? We've heard that as well. And I'm, I'm not one that's willing to say everybody is stuck in their pattern of behavior forever. Cause we've seen, we pointed out you and I have changed in our lifetime beliefs and behaviors based on things that we learn as we grow. So why would I deny that possibility for someone like Vivek or anybody running for president or Bobby Kennedy, who was, you know, addicted to drugs and had beliefs about things and he's changed as well. I, I just don't like to go, it's all a lie. Everything's a deception because there are people in this audience. You're all about that. God bless you. I love you too. And and I'm not telling you to participate in the election cycle at all or not. This is about you and your decision. And I'm not here to convince you one way or the other other than to share my perspectives for whatever it's worth in this regard. We're kind of off the main show. This is bonus round. I just felt I wanted to talk a little bit about that with you, especially, you know, we've had a little bit of discussion about Vivek, but I've never really looked into the guy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know him personally. I still, I wouldn't mind interviewing him on the show if he's open to it. I would engage in a discussion with him and ask him some questions about some of these things and see where see where it goes. I'm open to that. Anyway, I just wanted to share that. Superdon, if you have an idea, opinion, or anything you want to react to as far as what I just shared. Yeah. Um, he's good on the debate stage up mm-hmm. until the point where he 
doesn't debate, but then he gets into a shouting match and he, he does the whole talking over people and trying, I'm the loudest and I continue talking the longest. So I won because you stopped talking, mm-hmm. you know, that's just stupid. I don't, I don't like that. Number one. Yeah. Uh, number two, it's not the things necessarily that come out of his mouth mm-hmm. that I have a problem with. Sure. I look at him. I listen to him. Mm-hmm. And I don't trust him. I just don't. I don't think it's coming from a place of of truth and sincerity uh, from him personally. I think he is really good off the cuff. But if you listen to the stuff that he says, it does not come across to me as authentic and real. It's like he's a, he's a, a robot and he's programmed really well. And he just knows how to spout things off and he's got a quick mind and he's able to, to jump to, you know, the things and he knows that, you know, all the buttons to push and the, 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 the boxes to check off, you know, when he's giving replies and stuff and he's, he's mm-hmm. quick on the draw. But that, you know, to me, I just, I just don't get the feeling that he is like, he's real. I, I think this is something that he has, has practiced uh, and is really good at and he's, he's going to, he would make a good politician. Sure. You'd make a great politician. Well, he's playing it well. And I don't uh, discount anybody that's suspicious of him because there's enough to be suspicious about. And anybody to be skeptical of, in some degree, cynical of, of politicians. You can just tell. Well. This is the reason yeah. why I think, you know, if you look at what happened here with Iowa, mm-hmm. you know, DeSantis came in second and Nikki Haley came in third. Now, DeSantis. I kind of like, I mean, if I was going to pick somebody. He's got a great track record. In I would say he's he probably it. the guy I would lean towards because mm-hmm. when he talks, it comes across as real. It yeah. comes across as like a conversation I would have with somebody sitting in my living room having a beer, you mm-hmm. know. Vivek, on the other hand, I just don't get that. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't with Nikki Haley either. You know, mm-hmm. Nikki Haley's very plastic. And so. You know, it's like, yeah, this is the things that you're supposed to say, and you make sure you don't say these things and stuff like that. I get it. When, you, when you're on the stage and you're running for president, you, you don't want to screw up. You know, you got to put on a good performance, you know, mm-hmm. otherwise, you know, you're going to lose. And it's kind of like, you know, uh, what you were saying about Vivek uh, talking about his involvement with the lipid nanoparticles and stuff like that. He'll mm-hmm. never do that. That will never happen. Why? Because then he would be pointing out something that other people might have a problem with. He would be pointing out a fault, a mistake. And right now that's the last thing he's going to do. He's not going to do that because that's, that would then potentially hurt him. It's all about winning right now. You know, like I said, I'd like to ask the question, maybe not get an opportunity to do so, but anyway, I appreciate the discussion on this. I mean, these are part of the realities of life in America right now with the election cycle. And as I've said many times, even if the the best man or woman were to win, it doesn't change the fact that we've got a lot of work to do to turn the ship around from tyranny back to liberty, back to limited government, constitutional governance. And, you know, we'll continue to focus as well on that aspect, you know, where our show crosses into the political realm is primarily where it violates our fundamental freedoms of agency choice when it comes to health and healing. And that's why we can't fully ignore the, the body politic as, as well, you know, as much as some have said, hey, please don't do that because I want some of my friends who are Democrats to tune in, even though we're disgusted by modern Democrats. And even Bobby Kennedy has said, as a Democrat lifelong, he's like, D- 
do, they right. don't, you know, so it isn't about partisanship here per se. Uh, cause you know, as much as we like certain things that Trump does, there's other things we're like, dude, he's completely out of his mind on the constitution. And, um, there are things that Bobby Kennedy doesn't get about the constitution. Even as I said, in talking to Tony Lyons, who I really like and appreciate, and I love the discussion we had with him. Uh, he started that super PAC for Bobby and they've raised a lot of money. Uh, I'm like, you know, I'm a stickler for some things. It's like, why do you keep saying democracy? You're, you know, as an attorney, you know, if you use a word, you better define it or else you're going to be, you're going to lose big time by using it improperly. And I think it matters because the programming of the American population to believe we're a democracy and not realizing what that is purely is important. You know, the essence of the, of, of, you know, our form of government, I, I, you know, maybe I'm like a, you know, a, a uh, persnickety pickety, uh, uh, school marm at the moment talking about how to dot your I's and cross your T's. But at some level, does it not matter words and their definitions? If we can't get there, how are we ever going to really formulate a change that goes back to fundamental principles? Right. Y'all tell me, right. Maybe I'm missing it. Maybe I'm just annoying or annoyed. So annoying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So over on rumble, it's a ghost town in the chat room. Okay. Quiet. We got, no, we got nothing today. over there. Okay. Uh, I think we're we're up to date on. Um, let's see here. Yeah, we brought up politics. They're talking politics. Um, <laughs> yeah. What do you got over in uh, the chat room on robertscottbell.com? Uh, let's see. I think uh, our friend Chris is. I think posts in both places. And thank you for doing that, Chris. I think that's awesome. Uh, so we don't miss the things. He had posted something from Peter McCullough uh, as well, a recipe to make your own natto. Uh, let's see. Victim uh, status over merit. Diana talking about the, the mountain biking. She liked the mountain biking. I did like that, but I was annoyed too because I'm like, I want to be out there mountain biking. Mm. You know, I love it. It's fun. So, uh, let's see. Other it was almost, almost dizzying. Yeah, uh, watching that there. If you have, if you're prone to motion sickness, I mm -hmm. apologize. <laughs> that guy had like a GoPro, you know, on his yeah. bike. Yeah, those are wild because some of the now that one, if I remember bits of it, it didn't look so daunting as some of these. If you've ever seen the high end mountain bikers, they'll jump, you know, fifty foot cliffs and land. You know, say I'm sure there are some that don't land safely, but dude, it's very impressive. And like, I'm not really interested in that level of thrill seeking. I know my limits. And, uh, you know, there, yeah. So that's like, that's reasonable. That looks like fun. Little mini jumps. I, I can do that. Yeah. I'm not cocky about it, but I mean, there's certain things I can do that are not too bad, but you know, when we're riding on the edge of big cliffs, I get a little nervous and I go right. slow and I'm a little tentative going around. I don't like wrecking. I just prefer <laughs> not to, <laughs> you know, I've got some survival instincts in me, but some pretty, of these folks are pretty just like, soon wow. the, the weather will clear up and you'll be able to go out there and risk your life somewhere. Yeah. Mm. So, all right. Well, let's look at what we got going on tomorrow. Yes. Let's see. I've got another silver training for Canada later today. Um, we got Jonathan Emore. I think he's got uh, a, a radio interview scheduled in the midst of our normal sacred fire of Liberty thing. And I just said, look, do, let's do the show until you have to go do the other interview. And if you're back in time, we'll, we'll finish up with you in that first hour. So right. it could be a little bit of a mix tomorrow with Jonathan. And then we have somebody named Anthony Aguero uh, coming on tomorrow. Aguero for Texas. Okay. Uh, looks like he's on Twitter. Let me see if I can look at what he is on Twitter. 
real Anthony Aguero, independent reporter, border expert, anti-human trafficking advocate. Okay. All right. That's an appropriate topic. So I just clicked on him to follow uh, for him for tomorrow. Uh, so that's one of the subjects we're going to do. And what else? Uh, Friday, this coming Friday, Dr. Joseph Latipo and Michael Bolton. All Did right. you send out an invitation to Lillian if she can do the uh, Sunday conversation? I'm talking to her person. Oh, person. Yes. Okay, see if she can do it. I mentioned yep. it to her. She's a sweetheart. And I'm on her show. I forgot when. I think I sent it to you. We She sent us when her show will air with me. She interviewed me recently. And we could send it out to our list or, you know, at least put it in the notes one day when it's on. So people that want to watch me being interviewed. Because, again, when, when people turn the tables on me and they interview me, it's like, I start accessing parts of my brain or memory that I don't when I'm just doing my show talking about stuff. It's different when people start and they're inquiring minds want to know, and they start digging. Even when you interviewed me, it's like, it's a different thing. So if you guys want to catch that, uh, if I had access, I don't remember when that show is going to air, but it's pretty soon. And uh, she had sent it to me and I think I forwarded it to you when that will air. And let's see anything else for the moment. Remember Friday, we got what's coming up, uh, the uh, Elite Athletic Performance Webinar. Yep. And that's, uh, you can, it's sign up for free. Even if you don't think you can attend 7 p.m. Friday night, Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, that way you'll have access to it after the fact. So just because you can't show up live with it, don't worry, just sign up so you can get plugged in. And that'll be fun too. All right, any, anything else? Anything else as we wrap it up here today? No. No, we're good? I think that's it. Okay. Well, thank you for being with us. Um, thank you as well to Erica Eskew, or Eskew. And she was terrific. I really was inspired and uplifted by our interview today. I think she's a, she's a delight. And if we were ever up in Adrian, Michigan, I would definitely go to her. I know where I'm going to eat. Yeah, Kind of like a farm to table. Good stuff there, it looks like. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we have that linked up in the show notes today at robertscabell.com. So check it out, share it, and share the show if you don't mind. And God willing, we'll be back less than 22 hours from now, tomorrow. All right. We'll see you guys then. Have a good day.